Hi there, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder, and this is Learning to Fail. People are complicated. I am Facebook friends with a lot of complicated people. My guest today is Terry Barton Gregg. Terry is a major player in Denver's local comedy scene. We met online less than a year ago and have been like childhood friends ever since. If you plan on performing in Denver, Terry should be high on your list of people to meet. She's easy to talk to and makes a mean Caesar salad, which she insisted on feeding me after our talk. How do you like learning to fail? Have you learned to like failing or do you fail to like learning? Whatever the case, thank you for listening. My sincere thanks to those who have rated and reviewed our podcast on iTunes. I really appreciate the words you've left behind for others to see. Please keep tuning in weekly and help us to reach more people by telling them. Make sure you check out our website, ltfpod.com, and visit our Amazon page every time you buy anything online. By clicking on our link before you shop, you can support the podcast without spending a nickel of your own money. You can also drop a dime on our donation page. Every little bit helps. As always, the most important thing you can do is simply to listen to the podcast and inspire others to do the same. We encourage all folks to try learning to fail, with or without adult supervision. And now it's time for my conversation with Terry, a lifelong comedian who's only been performing for six years. She has a presence that projects a lifetime of experience despite her relatively brief history on stage. As you will see, we spent the entire time laughing. One, two, Terry Barton Gregg. I have a very whiny voice. I'll try and drop my register. No, don't change anything about yourself. Just be you. <laughs> well, I do on stage, though. I you mean, drop I your have, register? I have to. Well, what do you, I mean, tell me, I, what's your stage voice? My stage voice is down here. I talk, I talk very much lower than I do normally. Really? Uh-huh. Is that, I was given the uh, feedback, we'll call it, <laughs> from a friend of mine. He said, you sound like you're coming from the top of your chest. You got to speak from the diaphragm yeah, more. Yeah, that's exactly what they said to me, too. Yeah. So from that perspective, I get it. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to understand someone if they're, as, I'm, you know, I'm Jewish, fumfing, which means you're talking through your nose. Oh, I see. I mean, I know I'm Jewish too, but I... But you didn't know fumfe. I didn't know. I, I'm learning. <laughs> see, I can teach you Yiddish. Please I do. Yeah. A lot of Yiddish. I, I actually opened a show recently, and not on purpose, but in Asheville, I said something in Yiddish, and I said... Does anybody here speak Yiddish? You know, this looks like a Yiddish-speaking crowd, which of course it wasn't. There were four people, there were four or five really? people who knew a Yiddish word, and I ended up stringing all the words together yeah. and making a sentence. And of course, they loved that, and then I of course. moved on with my set. Oh, and I tell people the rules at clubs a lot of times by saying, um, "I'm going to teach you some Yiddish," and they're like all about it. And so I'll say, "Okay, uh, Mazel Tov," and they say, and I said, "Come on, say it," and they say, "Mazel Tov," and I said, "That means congratulations." And I said, now here are the rules. I said, first of all, Vermach de Moyle. And they love it because it's at the kh. Right. Vermach de Moyle. And they say it. And they said, that means shut up. And <laughs> Zetzebeck, which means sit down. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That is a brilliant way. It gets them on board. They really yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah. it. So you're um, not being an asshole. Like- and then I throw in a shmagegi here and there and a mashugana and... 
Oh, that's so yeah, funny. Yeah, so it comes back to me being that they can relate, but I'm not overly Jewy. Oh, that's such a lie. I am so totally Jewy. No, but you're not being overly <laughs> bossy and right. mean. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's your job as the host to right. sort of corral these animals that are in the audience. Right. But we want them to love us. You know, it's like it's Absolutely. really a fine line. And I've watched many a host speak to the audience in a way that alienates the audience immediately. Yep. yep. So now people think they're in my living room. And that's that is how the I perfect. Like yeah. I like to make them feel like they're in my living room. And if they get a little chatty, you know, I let them off the hook to start with by saying something like, I've got this one. You know, it's not my first rodeo, Joan Crawford. Right. You know, or I had a, I was opening for uh, Lisa Landry. And she said, Terry, you got to shut these people up. And I was um, actually featuring. So she, the host didn't get this bachelorette party to calm down. So I walked out, looked at one, very debutante-like. And I looked at her and I said, you know, you'd be so much prettier with your mouth closed. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, boom, shut her right down. Yeah, I have a bit that I do right now like that. Um, I talk about uh, meeting this woman at a spiritual retreat. You know, and where everyone went to bask in the love of Baba. And I said, I'm not going to say she was hot, but she was definitely Baba hot. And she's <laughs> Sweat taken. Ten hot. Yeah. So, you know, home, she's a six or a seven. At the Baba Center, she's a nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she'd taken a vow of silence for the week. So that bumped her right up to an 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. Yeah, that was totally true. So, you know, it's really fun. I just, I love what we do. You know, it's, yep. it's, um, especially if you're, creative and lighthearted about it and just make it fun for if you're having fun probably they're having fun you know if yeah. it's all at their expense obviously it's a different situation but um that i like that balance i like winning them losing them winning them back you know the whole process of of working with a crowd who's right. there to listen to you and club work is a lot different than doing bar rooms and doing different types of shows like in a um a corporate atmosphere when you bang the table, oh. everybody hears that. <laughs> Are we even started yet? Oh, yeah. We've been going the whole time. Oh, well, great. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, how it it's, goes. It's totally different working in different rooms. Like at uh, Comedy Works downtown, or the that's it, built for it. I mean, this audience is there. I mean, that's what they're there for. They know what their job is. You know, you're going to, it's usually a win win. And I love the Denver improv because it's just, it's just got the greatest feeling in the world. It's my favorite club. Wow. I mean, it's my very favorite club to work. Wow. I heard you know, people come to Denver to record their specials. All oh, the absolutely. Time. The audiences here are supposed to be among the warmest. Oh, and the comedians here are fantastic. Yeah, there are a lot of great comedians. When I was here doing the open mic circuit yeah. uh, last October, I met a lot of really great people. And oh, listen yeah. to a lot of really I funny mean, there's people. there's always, you know, different groups. Of course. And there's different cliques. And I think Denver's gotten just a little bit clickier. But I have also been not really hanging out with uh, the crowd as much because I had back surgery and whatever. Right. Yeah, plus they're young. I mean, they're kids. Yeah, I don't, yeah 26. My daughter's 30. It's going to be 32. Yeah, so she's so. older than most of the comics. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I like to see when they start out, and I like to see when they get better. Right. You know, because every little comic that's brand new says, oh, I crushed it. I, it's like you were at the Comedy Works. You can't judge it by that. Right. You know, those audiences want you to win most of the time. Right. 
So uh, or you were at the Denver Improv and the other comics really set you up for a win-win. I just recently put a, a brand new comic for her first showcase, first paid showcase up. Uh, Priscilla Spangler on my show over at Noonan's and it's in an event center and I think it was a really blizzardy night and I think we still had about 80 people there and <clears throat> she it was it was so much fun to watch her and also the spark that happened with oh my god this is so different hmm. this isn't just standing up and telling jokes at an open mic this is they're listening yeah and you'd better bring it yep you know and she did a really good job I mean, she had you know she did what everybody does you know kind of like wow they're really listening yeah. but she did a great job she's one of chuck roy's students oh, over cool. at the school and he had suggested her so you know i like to give newer comics a, a spot well i just did you know i just did comedy school in charlotte north mm -hmm. carolina even after a year and a half i was like all right let me go to school let me see what i'm not what I, let me see what I don't know Who yet. Who was your instructor? Joel Pace and Len Cure. I've heard of both of them. Yeah. So Joel runs all the celebrity talent and mm -hmm. Len manages all the more local talent for that club. And they mm -hmm. have like 50 clubs. So the two of those guys are... Which club is it? Comedy Zone. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Who yeah. are they? And they're, in, uh, they're related with what other... Are they all comedy zones? Or uh, they... Mostly. I mean, sometimes they'll have some other name, but generally they're all the comedy mm. zone in Great. some place. Yeah. So they have tons of places that they manage and that where they book people. And sure. So they're good guys to know. Um, well, not only that, they know the business. They really they know, know the business. Yeah. In the first in the first class, they spent about an hour answering the 50 most commonly asked questions in comedy. And they're like, just you don't have to ask them. Where's we're the gonna we're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how do I get paid? Um, yeah. it's Who it's that room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> what's how how hard is it to get a spot in the bathroom at right, this point? Right, exactly. Third stall on the left in the ladies' room. You can catch my set, I'll be there all night. <laughs> Paper Terry Yeah, I'll be there the whole time until I go on stage, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, so they answered all these questions and, and most of those questions I had figured out the answer to. But man, do I wish I'd known that stuff a year ago. That's why Chuck and I started Comedy 101 is because nobody tells you. Right. Nobody tells you, you know, what a feature is or what an opener is or, you know, because people interchange them all the time, you know, because you'll open for someone, you'll feature for someone. Is that opening meaning you're a feature or does that mean that you're the MC? Right. So I just recently was hired by a guy Tony Lamar from um, Texas, who's a great guy, just love him to death. And he brought a show to Denver. And he said that, do you want to open? And I said, does that mean feature or MC? I said, right. because different people use it in different ways. And he goes, no, you're MC. I MC'd it. Okay. And it was down at uh, the Voodoo Comedy Theater, but now we're taking it over to the Denver Improv. And it's he's just a great guy to work with. So we get a lot of talent that comes in from all over the country. I've got Rod Millwood that's coming and bringing a show, and he owns the Laugh Houses. Oh, cool. Well, I have a show that I'm, I'm developing. I've done one, and I'm, I've scheduled six more of them in that venue, and I've got a second venue that's about to take me on, and we're going to do it there too. And it's called Talk About Funny. 
Yeah. And it's a talk show showcase combination. So it's kind of like The Tonight Show, but just for comedy. Right. So, you know, I host it. So I come up, I do an opening set. Then I bring up the first comic, then bring them to the proverbial couch, do an interview. Right. Bring up the next comic, bring them to the couch. But now both comics are on the couch. You know, they slide down one. And by the end of the show, there's four or five people on the couch. Right. And we allow the audience to participate. Like, you're allowed to ask questions. I will will let you know when it's your turn. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And maybe you can teach me the Yiddish for that. And yeah. I, and then we let them be a part of it. So they really like being a part of the show. And then, because right. it gets hard for people to sit there silently for 90 minutes. And we do an intermission because it's like, it's really a two-hour event. But uh, that show's going great. And my goal is to get it dialed in to where I can call you and be like, right. you know, Terry, I want to bring my show to Denver. And I want to use local talent. You know, I want to do... I've already gone through my head of who would be great with this. Yeah. So it would be like, you know, let's do three nights or whatever you think right. you got room for. And basically, it's uh, the comics sitting in the green room talking. I mean, because comics are hilarious. Right. They are hilarious. Most, yes. When they're not, even when they're not on stage. Almost especially. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them. <laughs> Some of them are even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones you worry about. You're like, your set's going to suck, but you'll do great on the couch. Yeah, you're going to be great in the green room. I yeah. mean, you're going to kill in there. <laughs> you're crush awesome. in the green room. I remember my, uh, I don't know if you know Janet Williams, but she's a comedian that I, she's mostly Southern, but she's definitely mm-hmm. tours everywhere. And uh, I mean, she's fantastic. So if, I'll certainly introduce you right. if you want. She's really, know. really good. And, uh, but she has, you know, she'd be like, well, that killed in my car, you know. Oh, and I do. I'll, on my basement, I'm a hoot. You're sitting <laughs> in my, you're sitting in my uh, lovely finished basement right now. It's and very we lovely. Are crushing it. We, yeah, we are killing it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The I audience mean, loves us. Uh, the pictures on the wall, they are just, they're all about it. <laughs> they're leaning in, some of yeah, them. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, they're leaning in. I saw in. that. So how long have you been sort of, I consider you the queen of the scene in Denver. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I tell people. Um, Because I don't know any better, so they believe me. I'm almost six years in into comedy, but I'm a Denver native. And my family's from here, so I know tons of people. Okay. Tons of people. And when I started, I started out really strong, I think, you know, with getting to meet people and know people and helping people and starting to run rooms because I figured the only way I'm going to know what to do is to do it. Right. And I um, am also a hair designer and I work for the hair color company. So I have planned huge shows for 40 years. Okay. So So basically, and I, you know, I was lucky enough that the Denver comics and the really established comics accepted me right away. Well, that's, I mean, that's, fantastic i assumed you'd been at it for longer i mean you just seemed so you seem so comfortable in a leadership role oh yeah you know and oh, like yeah. when i told people when i did the mics last year i said you know i met terry oh terry as soon as i said your name people like oh terry you know oh, yeah. i said hi or whatever like everybody you know well they're like my kids oh, i treat so them like you, my kids yeah, too well they yeah you know if somebody needs help i usually will help them out or whatever you know uh, we just had a, a comedian that just passed recently. Um, well, actually, we've had a bunch, but Heather Snow, who was like my daughter, and uh, the comics really rallied for her, and we took care of her. Did she have cancer? Mm-hmm. She had leukemia. I think I saw, I know I did. I saw her set. Hilarious. Yep. Really, really Six good. Six feet of snow. Six feet of snow, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really, I really enjoyed her. That was a real loss. I remember you posted that. I think you posted on Facebook yeah. when she passed and, and you said, and here's a set of her, right. whatever. Yeah, I watched. And then I went and watched like other sets of hers, too. She was yeah. 
She was good. She was very, very, very talented, very good, an artist, brilliant, brilliant girl. I mean, she was a computer expert and totally a huge loss to the Denver scene. That's so rough. Um, she was everybody's pal. That's, I mean, she was amazing. That's what you want your reputation. That's how you want people to think of you. Yes. Yes. I mean, so. I don't know a lot of people could, that could even come up with anything negative about Heather. That's incredible. That's what you want them to say. Right. And then we just recently lost Andy Kaufman, who was a teacher. Uh, I did the benefit for him last night. Right. Because he had, I'd run it for him a couple of years when he had a death in his family. And the, he did it for the marching band at his high school where he was a teacher and a baseball coach. And I didn't want that to, to stop just because he was, you know, he's... I don't know if it's it's improper to say somebody's crossed the Rainbow Bridge because I think it's a dog. That's a dog, yeah. Yeah, but hey, hey I don't know what kind of guy he was. He was a great guy. He he would have thought that well, was maybe he, you know I think the dog heaven is probably a better place than people there. heaven. Yeah, that's, that's where all the I do. So everybody's playing all the I time. I see all my bitches there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some dogs up there too. Yeah, probably a few. Yeah, so we ran that one last night and raised a ton of money for these kids and. We've, we've had people that have come. I've done it for the last six years, and I think they've done it for eight, and we've had people that have come back all eight years. That's so cool. Then that puts a lot of heat on the comics to come up with new material every time because the last thing yeah. you want to do is see – because I'm imagining you have some – you bring your favorites, right? And not yeah. just your favorites, but, like, the room favorites. Well, I bring uh, most of the com- – the comics that I like to work with, especially on paid showcases, are usually the comics that are pros. Right. You know, I mean, I will give amateurs a, 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 a spot. You know, um, it, they don't necessarily have to be on the pro rotation at one of the two clubs here. But, you know, if they were corporate or, you know, they're pretty solid and I know that they're going to put on a good show because I pay my comics well. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's good of you. And I expect them to be professional. And that's part of the classes that Chuck and I are doing is professionalism. You know, show up when your call time is because I'm really tough on that. Yeah, I you do can not ask like the comics that, yeah. in Denver if you show up late and I you don't text me or you don't let me know that there's really truly a problem, I'll replace you. Yeah, I mean, there's you know there's comics that are dying to get spots. So why would you want to use somebody that's hard to work with? I know I had a I had a, when I did this show recently, I asked everyone to be there at seven thirty. The show started at eight. Right. And only one guy texted and said, hey, I'm really sorry I'm running 10 minutes late. No problem. The other person showed up 10 minutes late. Not a big problem, you know. Another guy texted me. He's like, I'll be there at 840. I'm like, what the fuck, man? You know, you, that's was an hour late. Was he headlining? No, but he was in the second half. Uh, I had given everyone the lineup ahead well, of time. Well, the other thing is, is you want to show up to a show and watch the other comics so you know what's hitting. And plus, this, this is such a unique format you know no one's yeah. doing this to my knowledge no. you know and no. and so and, you know hopefully they won't start they'll just call me in to do it but uh you know you want to kind of get the feel of the the not right. just the room in general which you always want to do as a comedian but you know the feel of the panel and the How about showcase the other and, comics right it's disrespectful yeah yeah i mean so. you should show respect for your your peers we started a little late he got there sooner than he thought he didn't miss that much but well but still but it was i give you know, everybody this all my directives and I send it to the entire I could say hi team at the beginning and I tell everybody exactly what's expected of them 
and I send it out every time I do a show. Yeah. And I highlight it, and I throw in this little caveat that's my, um, some people call it the brown M&M, some people call it the green M&M. Um, <laughs> and it says you must bring your allegedly handwritten intro and hand it to me when you walk in the door. Hmm. I would say 99% of those people do not read everything. And they'll come in and say, well, where am I in the lineup? And I said, I don't know. I sent it to you. Uh, and just to see what they'll do. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll tell them. But right. still, you know, it's just, a, you know, I'm nobody. But if you. That must be. My phone was off. <laughs> I thought I had a little gas. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's uh, that's my number one. The woman who runs all my businesses and everything, including she helps with this podcast. Yeah. That is her special text tone. So I know it's her. Oh, she had a little gas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like a train, but it's a train. It's a train. Know, yeah. But uh, who knows? You know, she may also. But uh, I had no idea that was on. So anyway, now it's off. Sorry about that. That's no problem at all. But yeah, I always put that in so that people know what's expected of them. And yeah. you know, I'm nobody. But what if all of a sudden some big highfalutin person has hired you and you're not reading everything? You know, because part, you're too lazy. A huge part of this show for me is, and I think a huge benefit from the comedians, other than just more stage time, if they succeed. They're going to go on talk shows. Right. Hopefully. Right. And this, you know, kind of gets them that feeling. Like one of the comedians um, who's charming as hell, everybody loved him, you know, and he said on stage and he kind of reiterated it off stage. He's like, I'm not sure any of us are interesting enough to be on a panel. And I was like, it's really? your job to be interesting. Like, make it interesting. Like, you're, you're here to Read entertain. Read a newspaper. You know, if you're not interesting, then come up with some interests that you have. Yeah. Well, I learned, I thought I knew everybody well enough to be able to just kind of host them impromptu like I do on my podcast, mm -hmm. which it always works out fine. But of course, I have two hours there. I had, you know, two to five minutes. Uh, and I realized, I realized two things. One is get some stories prepared ahead of time. I mean. David Letterman did that, and he was interviewing only the best of the best of the best. And he still made sure that they had, you know, notes, and he knew what questions to ask them. And they had knew they knew how they were going to answer those be questions. Be a Boy Scout, be prepared. Yeah, and so so I learned that lesson, um, and I learned a couple things too. Like uh, uh, while the comedians are performing, everyone can see the panel. Mm -hmm. You have to continue to look like you're interested, right? While the guy is Which performing, is not you know, easy it's for not a lot easy, of comics because yeah. a lot of comics are ADHD plus, and they're like shiny. Oh my god, <laughs> there's a camera over there. Well, are they looking at me? Should I smile? And we've all seen. And we're narcissists. We've seen each other perform so many times yeah. that laughing at each other's set. Is, I don't know. Last you know. night, Steve McGrew, yeah, he had six comics in tears laughing. I mean, I have never in my life seen, and I mean, these are all comics that are really, really great comics. We were crying. I mean, he is. If you ever want to go see a great show, I mean, he's got 10 million hits on YouTube. All right. Yeah, I'll check him out. And he is now traveling, and he is just, I mean, he's a, he's a ship comic, and he is just, he's, I've never actually, not one person in that audience was was anywhere but glued to him on stage oh my god that's the, i mean he that's the gave dream. lessons i know i you know when when i went to the comedy school they said what are you here to learn and everybody was like well i'm you know i'm a hypnotist and i want to do hypnotist comedy shows and that guy was great he had really a lot of natural charisma and 
you know, everyone had a different reason for being there, but none of them had been on stage before. And yeah. and that's pretty common for this comedy school. Yeah. A lot of people, it's a bucket list. It's just I a went thing. to Jeff Singer's. Never been on stage. Never been on stage, yeah. And he, um, I wrote my little set, and I had had help with a uh, local coach, Deacon Gray. Um, just, I went to somebody and said, how do you write a joke? I mean, right. I think I'm funny, because everybody thinks they're funny at the party. Yeah. You know, if you're standing around I'm, with 20 of your best friends, they think you're a hoot, but they know your backstory. Right. 400 people don't know your backstory. No, you got to... You, somehow they have to see the rest of the iceberg, even though they're right. only hearing the top right. 10%. So you have to tell them something about yeah. you is what I, I'd learned. But Jeff Singer, I went up and did my little jokes. And he, he he's a really good friend of mine. He's a great guy. Um, Jeff, Jeff books Montreal Comedy Festival oh, okay. and a bunch of other stuff. And so he said, now, Terry, how, how many years have you been doing this? Like four or five? And I said, no, this is my first time on stage. But once again, I had been on stage a lot as a hairdresser. Right. So I didn't have the nerves. And he said, well, how old are you? And at the time, I was 55. And he said, you know, a good road to comics takes about 15 years. Yeah. You might want to rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll just write faster. But you know what? He pushed me so that I did write faster. Yeah. You know, and um, I learned from a number of the pros, you sit down and you write every day. Yeah. You write something every day. You write five jokes a day. And that's not easy. Yeah. Most of them are going to yeah, most are going to suck. But you know, you'll come right. up with if you look. If I mean, if you can write one good joke a week, right? And right. each one's thirty seconds to a minute. You got a new hour every year. Yep. I mean, it's you know yep. that's pretty great. My father, uh, Jack Barton, just started comedy a year and a half ago at ninety-one and a half years old. <laughs> He's going to be 94. And he was on last night. And I tell you what, he crushes every room he walks into. Because first of all, they're just amazed that he's doing this. Right. But, and he does nothing but dick jokes. All Jewy guy oh. dick jokes. There's <laughs> something about, them. that's. I mean, there's something about an old person talking about sex that way. You know, that's he's, Janet Williams. She's yeah. 68. Yeah. And her opening joke is about a blowjob. You know, I a lot of times open with, uh, I basically first tell them that I'm Jewish. And I said, when they hired me to do this show, they asked me, Terry, a clean comic, dirty comic. And I said, well, I'm relatively clean. I really don't tell jokes about sucking my husband's dick. Because, <laughs> you know, Jewish women notoriously do not suck their husband's dicks. We we prefer to suck the life out of them. <laughs> and that just kind of breaks the ice. And I'm I'm going to be 61 years old. And that first, it shocks them that I'm going to be talking about that. Right. Second, they're kind of shocked I have teeth. <laughs> <laughs> And suction. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. You, you know you exactly where, you, where my you, you mind is. You go wherever you went. want. That's, this is, yeah, this, really. uh, all roads are you open in here. You put a plunger and there'll be <laughs> suction. Um, in my head, that was like so graphic. Uh, we know how comics do that. <laughs> yeah, now it's, we, we, go, we go. This is why we sat in the principal's office often. We go dark places quickly. Very, well, that's what I was talking about. Is that's where the plunger <laughs> was going is a dark place. <laughs> So, um, all so right. my dad um, had, uh, this is just, he wanted to learn how to do comedy. He had two uh, subdural hematomas. So he had two brain surgeries. Mm. And he, this guy goes to the gym every day. He's got 9% body fat. I mean, he's like Jack LaLanne, if you even remember who I Jack know, LaLanne Of course was. I know he's Jack LaLanne He's not towing a boat yeah. with his teeth, but he would. So anyway, so I said, what do you want to do, Jack? I said, what do you want to be? And he goes, 
want to be a stand-up comic, not like you, but better than you. And damn, he is. <laughs> and he really is. And so I put him in Chuck's class, mm. and he did his first show at Drip Denver, and he just came out with a bang. And this guy knows that, once you, like you said, that he's pretty old, and he better get some stuff done. Right. And he's going to be 94. And I, people call me all the time to hire him. That's really cute. And That's he really and funny. he collects that check. Trust me. I believe. I'm sure he earns it too. You know, he he is uh, on the rotation over at the Denver Improv. That's so phenomenal. Yeah. I gotta see him. Oh, he's a hoot. Yeah. Share me. Share a clip with me so we can put I it will. on the episode page for this, I so will. we can refer to him. Should he, we? Should but I be interviewing him while I'm in town? You should actually. Maybe I can he's make a, that happen. I mean, he was a titan of business. He, we owned Casey Fine Furniture, and we had six stores. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you told me that yeah, when we first talked. Yeah, and the guy is just brilliant. He speaks different languages. Some are in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> some are actual languages. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because um, after his set, I usually, if I'm MC, I go up and say, you do not know how fucked up my childhood was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you're, but, but you got a glimpse. But he can <laughs> hang out with the 20-year-olds, and they love him. That's so cool. I mean, people, he's he's... He's quite the guy. He just did the Purim Festival at the temple. Oh, my goodness. And I told the rabbi, Joe Black, I said, ah, Joe, he's really dirty. I don't He goes, it's okay. It's all adults then. It's, you know, it's it's R-rated, no problem. So I had uh, just had back surgery. I was in the hospital, and I get this text from the rabbi saying, well, he's three minutes in. He's told ten schmuckle jokes. <laughs> I said, schmuckle? I told him shuckle jokes. <laughs> You can explain those words later. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he just, he lets it go. That's really funny. It is very fun. There's something so charming and disarming about an older person. Like, you're on their side out of the gate. Yep. Unless they're, like, awfully racist or something like yeah. that. Then immediately you're like, oh, this is or not Or they're pretending they're blind. You know, yeah. <laughs> but um, but, uh. he, but he, uh, but there was a guy in my class named Mike, and he introduced himself as Magic Mike, which is great. <laughs> Did he do a strip dance? Uh, no, he, I mean, obviously he, he knew about the Magic Mike character. And on the one hand, if it was anybody else, it'd be like, dude, you can't call yourself that. Yeah. But he could have totally called himself right. that. And then he spent the next six weeks backing away from it. But we still all called him Magic Mike. Right. And, and But he, he gave was, himself an identity that people would remember. Yeah, exactly. And he and then he didn't want to keep it. He's like, oh, just introduce me as Mike, whatever. And, you know, one night he, he showed up in a fedora and sunglasses and a sport coat and no pants and no, yeah, <laughs> he could that could have happened but it didn't and, we call him pantsless de leone now and they said you know he said should i wear my you know he said i brought these by accident but these are prescription and i don't have my regular glasses because it was bright out when we drove here or whatever he said should i wear sunglasses on stage and the teacher's like never wear sunglasses on stage but for him that outfit it made him look so cool and badass. Yeah. He absolutely should have worn sunglasses well, on stage. Well, it's hard to read people's eyes if they have sunglasses. No, on. for sure. And and his expression, I think, is is a little bit different. I would never, ever, ever advocate that. Except in this one case, off, you can pull it off. It just made him look so cool. Right. It made right. him look so incredibly cool. And he had this fedora, and I had a fedora, and I was like, first of all, you're kind of stepping on my fedora. Right. You so I ended up not wearing mine. You know. As the six your weeks, your pants or your fedora. I wore my pants. <laughs> I didn't wear my fedora. I, I wore a suit. I mean, I yeah. I ended up, you know, when I showed up, they were like, "What?" They, no one seen me dress up, you know. Um, That's but, another thing. I hate it when comics look homeless. 
Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand the torn jeans and messy and anybody. I don't like flip flops on my stage. Or what about shorts? I don't like shorts on my stage. Yeah. yeah. I one time, one time, I was playing a tiki bar in Tennessee, well, and I just decided, you know what? I'm going on stage in my shorts and my flip flops. Like, yeah, I would normally never do this, right. but it just doesn't make sense for me in this place to get dressed up. And I sto- I opened with this idea. I said, you know, in comedy they say, you know, you have to dress better than your audience. But I look this bad and I still look better than you guys. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and my other, well, the other part of it is, is that audiences are usually about the height, maybe your waist or below. So yeah. you don't want them to be looking at your feet. Right. Yeah, because if you have some gnarly ass feet, uh, you don't. I, I just I don't want them. I don't want to distract them from my jokes. Right. I'm like that's right. you know I don't want them looking at me thinking about anything other than what's yeah. coming out of my mouth. Yeah. And and I have a lot of respect for the club owners. Yeah. And right. That to me is important. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's all sorts of different types of comedy, and I, I I'm going to use the hipster word. I'm going to go ahead and do it, and they have a whole different group. You know, like last well. This has nothing to do with that. But they're going to also dress a little bit differently and have different rooms in different areas. And, but if you're going to go to an A-list club or even a B club, I think you should dress up. You should I, comb your hair. I was just watching a thing this morning with Dave, with uh, Louis C.K. on David Letterman, like showed I his six Louis appearances. And, you know, the first time he showed up in like a black T-shirt and his hair right. was longer. And, and David's like, nice of you to leave your basement and come right. to the show. Right. And then the second time he wore a suit and the Did next time. Did he bring time... the lotion? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put on the lotion. <laughs> the next time he brought a uh, uh, a suit jacket but a T-shirt and Letterman just wouldn't let up on him. Right. You know, he's like, last time you wore a suit and I, what happened? I told you how much I, I really appreciated it. And the end of the thing, the last thing he says is, next time I just really think you should wear a suit when you come on my show, you know. <laughs> and I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him either, you I know. I don't blame him. You know, I see some of the ladies come in, and it's just like, what were you thinking? First yeah. of all, the short shorts, shorty short skirts, your front row is getting a really good shot. Yeah, I always wonder about that. Yeah. 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 I don't wonder about it. I know. You know. <laughs> you know, I just, why do, you want, why do you want to do that? Right. I mean, we had a comic that was here in Denver that um, was pretty much exposed a lot, <laughs> And she was asked not to come to a lot of clubs. Really? Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago, but, you know, I I run very nice shows. People pay very good money to come to my shows when I, uh, when I do them, when I am uh, producing them. And I expect the comics to show respect to my audience. Right. And I also like it, you know, unless they have another show that's back-to-back. I mean, if it's another showcase, I really like them to be able to stay. And t- my, my audiences love meet and greets. Yeah. And, you know, sell your swag. I don't care what you do. That's fine. But they like to get pictures with you. And, you know, they think it's a big deal. And it is a big deal to them. And right. they did put their, their date money out. Yeah. Yeah. They chose to spend their evening with you. Exactly. It's not over when you leave the stage. That's what I think. Yeah. But I know a lot of comics that just as soon as they do their set, they're out of there. They're going to go hit. And I understand hitting open mics because that's how well, you that's get better. Well, that's different. But, you know, but, you know if but you're going to go. But if it's a Friday night show, you're getting paid. 
Um, I think you can spend an hour and a half and then maybe two hours. So I remember I used to watch Entourage all the time. My I fa- love my that favorite show. show. Yeah. And you know, one time Eric says to Vince, you know, they don't pay you to act, they pay you to promote. Exactly. And so that stayed with me. And I recently saw Doug Stanhope. He came with his entourage to Asheville and he was fantastic. Like I've seen different stuff of his and I didn't love it all. And I didn't know how I would feel, but I feel like this is a great comic. He's coming to Asheville. I'm going to go see him. I'm going to, I'm going to learn from him, whether I learn from what he does or what he doesn't do. Anyway, it turned out to be a freaking phenomenal show. And not only that, but his two openers were also great. Um, And, at the end of the show, he's out there selling his stuff, taking right. pictures with anybody yep. who wants it. And he yep. has this incredibly loyal fan base because he just does McGrew that does extra little thing. bit. He was there last night and he was saying, I mean, my favorite is here. Can you move out of the way and take this picture of me and McGrew? And it's like, oh, OK. <laughs> 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 yeah. Could you step out? You're there? the MC, right? You can take a picture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know You're how to qualified hold the camera. for that, aren't you? <laughs> you probably You're do this all the time. the promoter of this gig, but... Yeah, but I mean, I think it's amazing when, and Mark Vieira, have you ever worked with Mark? Mm-mm. He is one that is so charming. Oh my God, he's so adorable with the audience. And the audience loves him. And people come just to see him because he is down and out the nicest guy. Mm. Um, I got to work with Trevor Noah and oh, talk yeah. about the sweetest man. Yeah, he seems And really... I was a total idiot. I had no idea who he was. I mean, and I was pretty early on when I was emceeing for him. Yeah, but he's his his uh, like the speed of his rise has been meteoric. I mean, he, he went from he is hilarious. Yeah. He is such a sweetheart. He, I mean, he is about as everyday guy as you can get. Yeah, I mean, he I uh, emceed for him over at the Improv, and I didn't know who he was. I mean, I'm kind of an idiot. I don't know who anybody is, and so um, Al Canal was the. Um, he uh, was the GM at the time. And I couldn't understand what he was telling me. I said, give me his intro. He's not here yet. You know, I want to know. So he, uh, he gave me his intro. I couldn't understand a word the man said. I mean, I thought he was from England. Yeah, Al was from England. He was from uh, St. Louis. I mean, <laughs> so I said, write it down, write it down. He wrote it down, couldn't read his writing. So Trevor Noah walked in and I said, okay, give me your creds really fast. And he goes, oh, I am the Jay Leno of South Africa. And I said, so. <laughs> You're from South Africa, and you know Jay Leno, right? And he goes, that's right, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Because I am the Jay Leno of South Africa. And I said, okay, so you're from South Africa. You were on Jay Leno's show. And he goes, right, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Finally, he said, I'm the Tonight Show host of South Africa. And I went, what the hell am I doing emceeing for you? And he just died laughing. And he said, I want you to, you to go up there and introduce me like that. And he goes, no, no, I want to tell this story. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing in the entire world. I mean, the entire audience just fell in love with me because I was such an idiot. But, I mean, he just put everybody, I, he just was amazing. He does. He puts people at ease. He is yeah. so sweet. And I think the reason why they uh, let me MC is because I do a set about rugby because my husband played oh. professional rugby at one time. Okay. And so South Africans, rugby, sure, course, boom, yeah. done. Great, yeah. So uh, it was it was amazing that somebody that had so much talent and these guys just are amazing comics and they're such sweethearts and they you know they watched my set and they gave me advice and you know they don't have to do that yeah the good ones Hope will Flood's though another one she's yeah. wonderful she does the same thing she just grabs you um, Tony Roberts he did the same thing he's just amazing. 
You know, I mean, these are big, nationally touring comics that, you know, will take a young comic and just help them. Right. And that doesn't happen in a lot of professions. Yeah. So do you, do you know Sid Davis? Has he made it to Denver at all? I don't think so. So but, these are, I know, I know all yeah. these regional guys. Right. Who, they tour. They're out right. there. But, you know, right, right. their home is North sure. Carolina. And uh, Sid you Davis. You know, a friend of mine, I think, is in, North, she in South Carolina. Kristen Rand, who's a Denver comic, she's phenomenal. Oh, yeah? She moved to L.A. for a while, and then she got married. I, thought, I think she was in North Carolina. I don't remember. I will find out for you. Yeah, find out. Let me know. Because you should get her to be on a panel, because that girl knows her stuff. I'd love to, yeah. I mean, she is, plus, she is just funny. Funny, 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 and just charming. Yeah. No, that'd be great. I would love to do it. Yeah, you yeah, would like that her Hook a lot. us up for sure, please. Um, yeah, I mean, the different parts of the country are so different with comedy, too, aren't they? So different. Like, I, you know, I've developed myself as a comedian in the South. And right. I'll go to other places, and jokes that'll kill in the South do not do well in other places. Right. Like, you know, I had this whole bit that I still sometimes do um, where I talk about, you know, having this friend who, you know, I'm, I'm not saying sucking one duck guy's dick makes you gay, but it was the way he did it, you know, and and <laughs> and I told that story in West Hollywood right. and no one thought it was a joke. Right. They weren't even they didn't bother to be offended by it. They're like, right. you're just telling us what happened to you on a Tuesday. Right. You know, like, right. It's. It, that's the wrong place right. to tell that joke. I mean, not only I'm either going to offend them or they're just not going to realize I'm trying to be funny. Right. So that was a really valuable lesson. But you know, when you're in the homophobic South, right. that kills. They people oh, love absolutely. it. They're uncomfortable, but they like it. Well, yeah. I um, was hired to go to Idaho. I don't even remember where I was. But I was like, you know, I'm way too Jewish for this. I don't think I'm going to do well. So I had to really change my set so that it was. Not about being Jewish because right. I, a I probably would not have made, made it, it out of, out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know I think I could have carried a Confederate flag and been a little bit more safe. I'm not sure, but oh, I was like, and it was I actually had a really good time. And so you really felt like not being yourself in that instance. No, I have different personalities. I was more the hairdresser that time. Okay. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, I've you got can different try. kinds. Yeah. Of, you know, I I have so many. I have. A lot of backstory. I'm 60. I'm going to be 61 years old. Right. So I've been a mom. I've been a hair designer. I've uh, owned furniture stores. I've, so I've got a lot of stuff behind me that I write about. Right. So it's not just one thing. They definitely knew I was a Jew. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> I had actually Heather Snow's mother. This is a funny story. Was with me and I took her out to lunch. And she kept telling me all this stuff about, you know, I've learned to lay hands on Heather and all this other stuff. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm Jewish. I thought the tea was going to fly out of her nose. <laughs> she dropped her chopsticks because where else were we? Chinese food. <laughs> Chinese food, yeah, right. Because you took <laughs> okay, her to yeah, lunch. It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> so, anyway, she came back to the hospital, and uh, Nora Lynch, who's an absolutely amazing comic, I mean, she is, she's, one of my very favorites, hmm. hands down favorites. And another friend of ours, Emily Cheney, was there. And uh, Patty Snow looked at the two of them and said, did you know Terry's Jewish? <laughs> and they said, were you in the same room with her? Yeah, how could you not know she was Jewish? <laughs> but she's from Sandusky, Ohio, so yeah. I don't think there's a high percentage. There's a lot of Jews in Ohio. I don't know about Sandusky. Yeah. Cleveland certainly has a huge Jewish well, population. Well, yeah, Bexley, yeah. Ohio is all Jew. So It's yeah. a new Jew review there. The new I didn't know but, that. But, you know, a 3% across, I think it's 3% of Jews are in the United States. It's, Is that it? Nah, that's, that's it. That's not that many. No. Uh, so, 
and we own entertainment. I was going to say, I was, I I was say? trying to think of a way. 3% own 97% of the money, exactly. but I don't know if that's true. I think that's just what non-Jews like to think to about us. I was hired to do a, um, a, oh, this was so much fun, too. A benefit for, um, and all the comics were paid. My benefits, like my comics get paid. Um and then they can decide if they want to donate my, whatever right. they want to do because that's their profession, and I treat them with respect. That's nice. And then they have the option of donating that right. money back to and the cause. And that way that's they perfect. get a tax deduction too. Yeah. Well, but you cannot take off your taxes if you donate your time. No, but you can. Yeah, you right. can. Uh, you can mark that down as time you didn't get paid for. Right. And and but. you can anytime you do something and you don't get paid, you can say, well, my hourly rate's 100 bucks an hour and I right. didn't get paid. So right. it's a $100 deduction. But more importantly, in this right. case, I think it's nice. A, you're respecting them right. and paying them so right. they feel better about you. And then they have an opportunity to say, you know what? Like, it's 50 bucks. Like, right. it's not going to change my life. But well, the right thing to do in the spirit of this, this thing. Sp- my headline, I got 2000 so. Oh, well, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit different. Sorry. Yeah. Um, actually. So he can donate 50 bucks. No, she was 1500 sure, sure. But I flew her in from um, Minnesota. Okay, yeah. Kristen well, Anderson Anderson. If you get a chance to see her, oh, Lord have mercy. But it was for a Christian high school. Very Christian high school. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I don't think you've ever seen my work. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my next turn, now my old next door neighbor that uh, they got the corporate gig for me. And I had Nora Lynch with me and Kristen Anderson Anderson. And we're not necessarily known as clean comics, but we definitely cleaned it up for the show. And it was funny because I, I went on stage and I said, why the heck did you guys hire the Jew? I said, oh, yeah, we own entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> you had and no it, choice. <laughs> yeah. And they had this huge, was it this beautiful mansion, and we built the stages. And, I mean, it was an incredible, incredible show. Wow. And we raised $60,000 that night. Wow. And the tickets were free. Wow. So... That's I was a, pretty yeah, proud I mean, of myself. And that's a great way to get people to give more. Like yep. a lot of times if you don't ask for anything, they'll give more than you would have gotten if you asked. Absolutely. Ask. And I've seen that, Last I've seen that happen year, a lot. This year I'm not doing this well. Last year I raised $350,000 for charity. Wow. Yep. Wow. Well, you've yep. been out. I mean, you've yeah, been out of commission, year, yeah. right? You had back surgery. Yeah, and back like surgery and... The hospital just tried to kill me. But otherwise, I was great. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, oh, you yeah. sent me. I was like, how have you been? You're like, funny you should ask. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. You know, and I, the Lord said to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I figured it out during that whole time because I got double pneumonia and sepsis and and was in the hospital a lot longer that God doesn't want me and the devil's afraid of me. Right. So I'm not going so you're anywhere. Stuck, yep. Stuck on it's earth. Like, nope. We don't want her on our team. <laughs> She'll still lobby for air conditioning. <laughs> and Canasta Tuesday. <laughs> I don't even know what Canasta is. <laughs> I've, you know, it's a funny it's, word, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is a funny word. It's got word. that hard, the hard C's. It's also the Nasta. It's got like Nasta. the it goes, Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like it's, it's foreign. Like Maj. All the women play Maj, Majan. <laughs> I don't know how to do any of that stuff. I'm going to be screwed if I ever end up in a home. Oh, please. I mean, we're, we're, we'll have them doing other things. <laughs> you know, forget the bocce ball. All right. That sounds They're gonna good. are going to be doing something with balls, but it's not going to be bocce. It's not going to be bocce. <laughs> There's a huge epidemic of like herpes outbreaks in, oh, yeah. in old age homes. Well, sure. Everyone's having sex and no one's using protection. It's pretty funny. Well, what are they, yeah, exactly. They're going to die anyway. <laughs> well, that, there's that too. They're you like, might as well know. die without a smile on your face. <laughs> well, they have Viagra and they have all sorts of things that you could buy at the grocery store. 
Pomegranates are. I'm just kidding. I don't know about pomegranates. The, clam, <laughs> uh, the uh, oyster sales have gone up, you know, significantly. The canned person. oysters, they're yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because they're old people and they just don't have a ton of money. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not going to go with cat food right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would though. Oof. I'd have to be pretty desperate. So tell me about some of like you said you 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 like grooming young comics and you really like. Tell me about that process, because I think for people to kind of hear what that is would be really cool, you know, and what you and what you look for, like what you that spark that you notice, whatever that thing is. You know, I, I, I would like to know yeah. that for me. And I think other people would be interested to hear that. Um, I look for somebody that will gain attention when they walk on stage. Well, first of all, I want to make sure that they want to do this and this is what they're into doing. They don't have to do it 100 percent. They can have a day job. Right. And they can still promote themselves and produce. And I want somebody that's also going to promote themselves. If you go out there and say, oh, I don't do any promotion and I don't have any fans. Well, then you're not a very good comic if you don't have any fans. Right. I mean, that's one of the big things with me is, you know, there's some young comics that are coming out of Denver that are amazing. And they work with each other. I want to see if they're writing. Right. I mean, I want to see if they're only doing the same two minutes over and over and over again because, I, you know. I want them to polish it. I want to see how polished they are. Right. I want to see what their vocabulary is like. Because uh, you can always do dumb audiences in dumb rooms. But I think that the smarter comics are the way I go. And don't be afraid to use your vocabulary. Right. You know, a lot of times people will be like, well, what does that word mean? But it's really funny. Right. And with young comics, I want to make sure that they are watching other comics. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go, because the improv and I know the works will let you go in if they're not sold out and you can sit in the back and watch anybody you want. Mm. So I think that's great. And I'll let comics in all my rooms for free. Right. But go and watch other people. And the spark that I see is if they know how to construct a joke. It's, you know, if they've got a twist in the end, if it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. Right. You know, and if they're telling these long, involved stories, I like to help them cut the fat. Right. And I was terrible at first with that. I mean, we used to laugh about, is there a lilac tree involved? Because I was going <laughs> to throw it in. I think that, you know, topical. If they're just talking about having sex and, you know, I fucked a fat girl, I don't want to hear about it. Right. I can hear that from a billion other comics. Right. And tell me why. We just worked with a kid. Um, we do a uh, comedy 101, Chuck and I do. And Brandon Yule, who's a new comic, and he wants to be known as Nerdy Shirt. Because he says, I said, well, why? And he goes, well, I wear nerdy shirts. And I said, why? I want to know why you wear it. I mean, why would you give yourself that moniker? Tell me why. Right. And he goes, well, I never thought about that part. And it's like, well, if you're going to go up and be someone, tell me what you're about. I want to know something about you. I want to walk away and say, I want to have a drink with that person. Right. And I had a uh, show that I did down at Comedy Works, and I had 30 kids that are under 30 walk up to me and said, we want to take you out for a drink. We just want to know more about you. Mm. And I think that's what I want in young comics. I don't want to just, you know, tell me something different. You know, I don't, a lot of the young ladies right now are doing the same jokes about being hoes. You know, I've heard those in high school. Right. So do something different. Make me want to hear more. Right. Not, you know, when I can't, when I'm sitting there and it's already three minutes into your five minute set and I'm going, oh, dear Lord, what can I say I had to go do? <laughs> yeah. But usually if I see a clip, I can tell 
pretty much right away what's going to, what their deal is. Right. What their deal is. And then I also book a show for Colorado PBS, and we're going nationwide. Mm, that's cool. PBS. And it's called Sounds on 29th. Heather Dalton is the producer, and I produce the comedy portion. And I really look for a lot of young comics, and I want quality. Right. I want them to have, don't you dare bring a note on stage. Yeah. If somebody comes up on stage and they have notes, they'll never get booked by me again. Yeah. On any stage. And I had a kid that is, is really a very good comic come to Sounds on 29th, and I won't name names, but he had his notes and he put them on the table next to him. And, you know, the camera is, you know, what, one square foot. Right. And I said, you can't do that because you're going to keep looking down. I said, it's a crutch to start with. You can't memorize five minutes. And he goes, no, 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 but you'll notice. The whole time, and I'll show you the tape, he's going like this. He's looking down. He's looking down. Yeah. And it just, you know. You know, that's one of those things you can't fully appreciate as a comic until you see yourself doing it. Exactly. Film. Yeah. Film yourself. Oh, yeah. Record yourself. You know, your inflection in your voice. See if you're too flat. Yeah. You know, I mean, my comedy, I know I don't, ha I don't laugh at my own jokes. I mean, it's just I'm very I'm more sarcastic, right? And I have like Kristen Rand. It's hilarious because she laughs at her own jokes. So you have to. I like to find a comic that's very comfortable with themselves, so that they will project what they're about, right? Because most, I mean, I don't think they're that good an actor. Yeah, most most of us aren't. No, you know, that's something that's missing for me. Yeah, like I can tell I. I would like to take some acting classes. People, are, you should do improv classes. Eh, I did improv classes. You know. I was not the best. I mean, I, I, I'm i not saying I wouldn't benefit from improv classes, but my ability to kind of be spontaneous is not my biggest shortcoming right. on stage. It's my lack of acting chops. Right, you know? right, right, right. And I took improv, and I was an unguided missile. I did not like the rules. Mm. I don't work and play well with others. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't either. I'm yeah. an only child. And I'm it's, like, yeah, kidding? I'm the youngest of three, so... Uh, no, I just, I didn't want to give everybody a yes and, mm. and I would end it with a joke every single time. And I love the guy that owns the bovine, uh, theater, comedy theater here. Uh, it's an improv theater, Eric Barone. And he just looked at me and goes, you really need to be a stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, I think you're right. And he, you know, I, cause I tried improv before I tried stand up. I see. So that's part of how you ended yeah. up. Yeah. Doing what you're doing. That's yeah. And what what got me into comedy, and I think a lot of times comedy comes from something else, was my sister passed away. Mm. She had a very tragic death, and I would not come out of my basement. So I had to come up with something that would make me want to do something totally different. Right. And I'd always wanted to do comedy because I thought I was going to be really popular. <laughs> you know, I thought people would be like, oh, look at her. She's a stand-up comedian. Nobody knows a stand-up comedian. Right. Bill Palisall is another good friend, and he's another amazing comic. He um, said that comedians can walk down the street and nobody will know who you are. Yeah. And he works the ships, too, and he said he can walk around that ship and nobody recognizes him. Even though he was just on stage. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. is so funny. Yeah. So, so, so funny. I get seasick, so I could never do those cruises, but it really? would be, yeah, it would be. I would love to do that. Yeah, I would love to do it from the perspective of, you know, a whole week on stage every night, you know, and uh, like Lewis no Johnson commute, no is nothing. another just... comic out of Denver that you should go and watch. But a lot of people, a lot of comics say like, you know, that's where comedians go to die is the cruise. Like, but I, I think it may be changing. Uh, I know, you know a bunch of comics that are doing cruise ships now, then they're not dying. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I know plenty too. I mean, Lewis it's just Johnson is amazing. Phil Palisaw, Mark Vieira, Steve McGrew, uh, Kristen Anderson. Anderson is now going out on the, on the ships. I mean, these are really solid comics. Yeah. And they have to have, what, an hour solid of clean. I'm sure. So yeah. I think a lot of comics tear it down because they don't know how to work that way. Bro, that's... But that's that, the other right, thing with young comics. I want to see if they have a clean set. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, my ever since I got on stage, my, I mean, topically, my, my subject matter is adult. Right. But linguistically, I right. very rarely cuss. I, I wrote my first joke that right. has an F-bomb in it. And it's very deliberately placed. Right. It's because it's a yoga teacher talking to right, me. Right, right. You know, and I want her to say fuck. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's, in this case, it's funnier for her to say, no one's going to fuck you, than it is for a yoga teacher to say, no one's going to sleep with you. It's just, right. it's. Absolutely. It's, you know. A well-placed fuck. Yeah, and it stands that's out. That's Man says that. He t- when he talks to comics, he says, a well-placed fuck. Is different than if you say it every other word. Right, because it loses all its power. Like when I say it, it's shocking because I haven't said it for as right. long as I've been on stage. Oh, and I dropped the F. It's a fun. lot of times it, when I'm emceeing, and I emcee a lot, a lot, a lot of shows, I will um, get everything out of the way for the other comics. Hmm. You know, I throw a little bit, if they're watching, they're really smart because I'll throw a little bit of everything out there. Like I'll say, you know, I'll drop the F bomb and I'll say something that. It's really not racist, but it'll open the door. You know, I do a joke about how a gentleman came to my house because we were selling our house, and I was standing in front of my china cabinet, and I had a menorah behind me, and he looked at me and said, you're nothing but a dirty Jew. Right. He really did say that. (laughs) And I looked at him, and I said, I am not dirty. (laughs) But if you have a problem with the cleanliness of my house, you take it up with my Mexican maid. (laughs) Because she will cut a bitch. (laughs) And then it keeps going on from there. But um, So I'll open the door to a little bit of stuff like that so that if they do have, not racist, but you know what I'm saying? Right. The audience knows where to go. Right. And I think a a lot of comics start out emceeing. Yeah. And I personally think it's a very, very tough spot for a new comic. Yeah. And I don't know why people would throw that away because, I mean, that's the whole face of your show. I mean, I think the MC is an incredibly important role. I do, too. You know, I um, I did a show not too long ago where I like the MC a lot, but she just wasn't. She was totally non-dynamic. And and, um, I mean, I don't generally love her comedy. But I think, but she's a good person, you know. Right. And I just, uh, so I have nothing bad to say about her. But right. you know, as an MC, I just was like, she's a weird choice. Likeability is huge for an MC. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. I like my comics have likeability. Yeah. Even if they're curmudgeons. Right. Well, you know, curmudgeon like, can be likable. There's a guy that writes. Larry for David movies. is likable. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And there's another comic that I just love in Denver. That's a, he's a curmudgeon. But he's the sweetest curmudgeon you ever want to know off stage. But, I mean, he comes out as off as the grumpy older guy. <laughs> and he's hilarious. And the audience loves him. Yeah. Well, he's also really funny and writes a mean joke, let me tell you what. Well, that helps. His name is Rick Kearns, and this guy is genius. Yeah. You, you definitely, you know, if you're good, a lot can be forgiven. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and if you're likable, a lot can be forgiven. So if you can be good, I'm likable. And you get a lot more fans, yeah. I think, if you're kind of likable rather than if you're screaming at the audience. or. I had an experience in a uh, venue the other night. Actually, it was the place that I did my Talk About Funny debut. Yeah. And it was a bar. 
And it went great. I mean, the whole show went really well. Of course, I'm hypercritical, so all I can right. think about is all the things that will right. be will be improved and next that's time. That's why it will be improved. Is yeah, right. Because I'm not like, oh, we killed it, you know. Oh, yeah. but, I killed every set I've ever done. Yeah. Most people have never killed it. And I, I don't even know if I've ever killed it because, to me, I see some of the big people and it's like you're laughing your head off the entire time. Right. You know, I've had really good sets, but I would never say I crushed well, I had when I when I took that class. You can say no, no, Terry. I've seen your tape. Oh, no, sorry. I'm yeah, right. So I, I missed my cue. <laughs> that was yeah. I missed my cue. I'm, I'm okay. the, not can an we improv try guy. That again? Yeah, only child. <laughs> I was just going to tell you a story about two. me. Right. It's all about me. <laughs> Enough about you. Let's talk Enough about, about you. Let's tell you, the boy you think of me. Story about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when I took my class. They said, yep. "What do you want to get out of it?" And I said, "You know, I have." I've now been doing this for a little while right. and I've gotten big laughs and I've gotten little laughs, right. but I have never had just where the volume right. in the room is right. a steady nine, Yeah, you know, for 45 minutes. Like I watch these big comics and it's right. just, it's just so much louder in the room when they're on stage. Well, and a lot of people have listened to their podcasts or radio sta- or whatever, their CDs and they know their material and they're saying along with them. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't think I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one's, no one's, yeah, no one's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I, yeah, the household. Harry Every Martin once in a while person. now, people who've seen me enough will quote my jokes right. to me. And right. that's pretty flattering. But right. they're usually other comics. And they're like, you know, one or two of them that I'm, you know, friendly right. enough with. Right. That they're paying close enough attention. But, uh, you know, the big thing in where I live is, just, you know, comics are just constantly walking out of the room on each other. Yes. When they go on stage, yes. you know. And I watch for that. Yeah. Especially the young ones that have the attitude Judy thing going on. Yeah. I mean, if they've got an attitude and they think they're all that, um, they're they're going to get their comeuppance anyway. Yeah. Because you know what? There's always one and three to take it away from them. I, had a, I went on stage the other night and it was an open mic and... Uh, three, three or four comics got up and left, and as soon yeah. as my set was over, they came back in. So I know that they left right. Right. in my honor. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was like, okay, that's, I'll right. remember that. You know, right? And you know, a, a lot of times when I'm emceeing and I see a younger comic walk out, I'll mention their name when they're gone. Oh, right. And they'll be like, oh, uh, I said, well, you know, I gave you a callback or whatever. Right. It's like, yeah. well, sorry, too bad. Yeah. You know. Um, and it's not only the younger comics, but I, the big pros that I see usually sit and unless if they're headlining, sometimes they have to get into their own heads and go over their and sets that's fine, or whatever. You and know, I don't care about of that. Of course. But they'll listen and they listen to the young kids. Yeah. And if they, if these pros are willing to listen to you as a newbie, you should listen to them. Totally. Well, and, that was what my comedy teacher said to me the other day. We were... I, I'm, I've been trying to set up a meeting with him to go over my right. set. And then he said, let me see the video, too. Right. You know, which is a half hour. He now right. wants to he's willing to watch a half right. hour of me, you know, mezzo mezzo on stage. Right. And uh, and but he, you know, had some emergencies. He called me from the car. He's like, I can't look at it right now, but we can talk. And right. so we just talked shop for a while. Right. And I and I said, you know, I, I really have been learning so much from watching all these comics who are better than me. And he said, you should be learning from the comics who aren't better from, right. than you, you know? Right. And I was like, damn it. You know, like, it's he's true. right. No, he's totally right. And I was just like, 
Every time I feel like I'm saying the right thing, I'm not. You know, right. just... There's a young comic in Denver that when he first came on the scene, his name is Alan Bromwell, and I just love him. And he just oh, yeah, made yeah. that rotation just, yeah. at the Comedy Works. Oh, good for him. And I mean, the first time I saw him, and he's, he's a ginger, and he is adorable, okay? Yeah. But he had kind of an angry attitude almost. And he had been in a bike accident. He was brave enough to go on stage with broken teeth and missing teeth, okay? But when I saw him, I looked at him, I said, you've got a huge likability. Why aren't you using it? And he goes, I didn't think anybody ever thought that about me. Mm. I said, no. I said, you are just... And he is... Now he realizes that he has this likability and he is going places. Plus, you know, I um, send him over to a modeling agency that I, I work with quite a bit and send them comics because I want to use them to act. Mm. And um, they get a lot of roles. And they couldn't wait to sign this kid. I really? Said, He's got a oh, huge likability. Oh, and nice. I said, I told you so. Yeah. And I mean, I just I believed in this kid from the get go. And I think he's really going to do well. And another one is Kyle Polk. From the first minute I saw him, he's this big lumberjacky looking guy. He's got a beard and plaid shirts. He's from Fort Collins. And he is, you just, I just want to put him in my pocket. <laughs> you know, I mean, he is really strong on stage. He's got a great voice. You know, you want to listen to him. Yeah. And he's just kind. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a big, big deal. And these guys are running shows and doing a lot of stuff. Well, you got to be someone that, you know, now that I'm running a show, yeah, <laughs> I see it all differently. It's totally different. And, isn't and it? it's important to me how enjoyable individuals are to work with. Right. And I will say the guy who was 40 minutes late was the first one to send me a thank you note. Oh, see, now thank you notes you know, are huge. Yeah. And Chuck I was like, and I teach pretty that much redeemed himself. You know? The first thing I do is you write a thank you note. Yeah. And you also thank the other comics. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't hurt you. And I usually like to get um, letters of recommendation from the venues I work at. Mm, that's so idea, I yeah. have those on my website and testimonials because it's, it. you know, I want to see when yeah. I and if, have a press kit. If I ask you for an EPK, send it to me. Right. I don't want to dick around with it. You know, I don't want to hear, well, I really don't have face shots or head shots. It's like go in front of a brick building, have right. your cell phone, have somebody take your picture. If nothing else, you know, just put together. I don't I don't know how to write a bio. Well, look it up. Right. You know, go online and look it up. I don't want to have to write. I've written a lot of them for people. And I'm like, you know, I should charge you for this. Yeah, you should. You know, and I don't want everything you've ever done. Just write me a paragraph. Right. Three lines will do. Well, it's not that different from writing a joke. Exactly. Trim the fat. Yep. Tell me enough to make me interested in hiring you. That's really all this is about. Yep. It's not to actually know everything about you. No. It's just to make you compelling enough to. And I love it when they think they have to do this funny little twist in there, you know. Right. And it's like, well, that's kind of corny. But if you want to go with it, it's fine with yeah. me. Yeah. And also, if you're put on a show, put it on your Facebook page. You know, at least mark you're going. Yeah, totally. Because that just annoys the heck. And I do look for those yeah. things. And um, just... I mean, promote it. Yeah, of course. I don't like to promote shows. I don't have any fans. Doesn't matter. It's just it's traction, like, stop especially whining. especially in the in the Facebook area. Uh, I mean, uh, era. You're right. You know, it's Social like media. every time it gets shared, that just boosts it for everybody. Yep. Makes it seem more interesting, more important, more compelling. Right. More... Well, I do so many shows. It's like, well, soon enough, you might not be doing any yeah. shows. So <laughs> not gonna be doing so many of mine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I just. I also like to pick people that I think are right for the venue. 
and write for the other comics. And I mean, the lineup last night, I have to tell you, I did a really good job. That is, that's great. <laughs> I mean, I am just patting myself on the back. And I just am thinking about your show that you're doing. Tell yeah. me the name again. Talk About Funny. Talk About Funny. Thank you for this... promoting my show on my podcast. See, <laughs> see, this is how so, you do it. This is, you've got such a good instinct for it. Yes. But I mean, Talk About Funny, I think, is such a great concept because I can pick people to sit on your sofa right now in my head. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I also have made lists of what I think comics can do. And they go up in the list and they go down in the list and they go, you know, right. you know, because everybody said, oh, I can feature. I could do a solid 20, which right. is, you know, three and a half. You know, if you tell me you can do a solid 20, it better be a solid 20 because I will go up on stage and take you off and finish your set. <laughs> I will. You know, and I just I want comics to be respectful, respectful of time. Right. You know, if I say you have 10 minutes. You wrap it up in 10 minutes yeah. because I've got a headliner that's going up after you right. that is going to have to cut his shit set short. Yeah. You know, because I don't think that kids realize, too, and we try and teach them this, that uh, the venues themselves have to pay their servers extra. Right. You know, they know when to drop the tickets. They have to collect the money. You know, they don't understand the business side. And I really try and work with the young comics on the business side of things. You know, how to get insurance, you know, how to protect your jokes. There's so many different things about, mm. you know, working with producers and promoters and being professional. Yeah. Professionalism is huge. Yeah. It's huge because you might be the funniest person in the world, but if you're a jackass. No, it's not going to last. No, but there's so many people that are not. I mean, in De I, Denver is not nearly any the kind of scene like L.A. or, or uh, even... New York, but you know, there's a lot of comics that have gone from here to LA and done really well. Matt Baca is my very best friend, mm. and he also teaches at Cal State and he um, teaches in Boulder. He's an adjunct in Boulder, too. And he taught me a lot, a lot of stuff about how to do entertainment. Mm. And entertainment, I think, business is different than most businesses. Yeah. You know, and I absolutely hate when I get paid and they give me the drug handoff. That's what right. I call it the money. They're like, Everybody gets an envelope and a thank you note in it from me. Hmm. Because, you know, maybe if we as producer promoters up our game, maybe they'll up theirs, right. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I'm up mine, now you up yours. But uh, don't you think? I yeah, mean, no, I just, think that's interesting. Yeah. You I, know, I, the back of the palm handoff. I'm know? thinking about my, I mean, I'm just now, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you and being like, oh, I did that wrong. I mean, according to the, the you know. Well, that's just my way of doing things. No, I, I'm not. And, and you're not going out of your way to say that. I'm just like, oh, I could have done that better, though. It's yeah, the yeah. norm in the business. And yeah. I just, I don't like that. And no. I'll tell you, you know, the headliners that I work with and the other comics are so excited that they get an envelope. Yeah. They usually leave it on the bar, but. Um, and you I have that all prepared ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I walk in the door with all the money. Right. Well, because you you're paying you've yeah okay, you've arranged what people are getting paid ahead right. of time, so you're cutting checks and that's all going through your right. production company and everything, right. right? And even if they get yeah. cash, um, I didn't say that word. That's C A S H. That's, that's not, um, cash is not illegal. You just have no, to declare it. No, no. Um, yeah, and they are private contractors. Yeah. And I have contracts. Yeah. You know, we have contracts for both Hold Please Productions and for Colorado comedy shows. Mm. Because I um, I love Hold Please as a name, Isn't by the way. Great yeah, one? it's great. And you know how I came up with it? 
I'm for everybody comes up to you and talks to you at once. Mm. Everybody wants it. They're so important. Right. They're so. When's my? How much time do I get? And it's like, well, right. if you would have read everything I sent to you. Right. But anyway, I'm like, hold please, hold please, hold please. And, and you're like, this is the. This is what my company's about. It's and it's so me. Yeah. You know, my uh, salon's name is Tease. T apostrophe E A Z because I tease people. My uh-huh. name starts with a T. Right. Yeah. So it works and on I a lot of levels. Hair. Yeah. Yeah. So That's, you know, yeah. I. I you know, there's so many production companies that are weird spellings and whatever. I think keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And the T's hair salon was kind of a goofy way to spell it, but I, I learned that lesson from my production company called Real Change Films, and it's R E E L. Super clever. I gotta explain it even to you. Like I can't mention the I name would, without having to spell it for people, and well, that's I knew just how to spell real, real and real. But some, but real change. So people might right. think it's R E A L, like. Like, oh, like I have you're to tell the them money, like real change. You're a real change, like things are really films. changing. As soon as you said films, it, to me, it related to a real. Yeah. But nonetheless, they don't use reels anymore say, anyway. No, that's true. It's I, yeah. Well, that's that was why I did it. And my logo is the little cigarette burn right. that they right. that they used to put right. in the film that you tell the projectionist that it was time to change the reel. Right. So it had oh, this whole God, story I about hadn't it. Thought of that yeah, in yeah, years. Yeah, I learned it from Fight it Club. It is freezing in here. <laughs> it is freezing in here, but that's right. Uh, it keeps us fresh. Oh, so yeah. uh, anyway, you know, um, you're so just, fresh. I could have slapped you like three minute. My my yoga company, three minute egg. Oh, is it the number three or the word three? Is there a hyphen? Like, fuck, you know, oh, it's yeah. uh, absolutely. So my production company for talk about funny. Everybody can spell that. Right. My comedy production company is marquee comedy. Very but marquee. Few, I mean, there's different marquees i know very luckily very few people are, there's a marquee and, and i thought about calling and you it you know it's funny because when I, I was talking to tech about it both of us immediately went to what kind of marquee is it <laughs> well if i called it marquee de comedy right. which would have also been right. a funny thing to do right. then it would have been right i uh uis right but it's marquee like you know right. like you're going to see your name on the marquee right and i couldn't believe that that wasn't and taken. it could have been marquee mark you know My, yeah <laughs> <laughs> or marquee marquee you know right. with the so i uh anyway i was i was conscious though when i came up with right. that name like well this will be pretty easy that's um, why i signed everything tbg because most people know me as tbg yeah yeah that's and smart they i always sign everything on facebook loves tbg because i'm the only one that does it and it gives me something different i know i'm always like loves the first time you did i was like is that a typo and then it's like it's the third time i was like oh it's not a typo no. Loves is how she says it. Loves like, TBG. Yeah. yeah. And it's just because it puts me in a, people will remember it. If you yeah. give something, if you say something, they'll say, oh, it's Loves TBG. I know who it is. Right. You know, you can look at the picture or whatever, but still, it just is a little quirk that people will remember. Yeah, yeah. It's a little jingle, like Costanza. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Costanza>. <laughs> but I do that on everything just because then people will realize who it is. Yeah. And it gives people familiarity. And then they think that they really know. And it's funny because as a comedian, do people really think they know you? By the end of my set, they they, yeah. <laughs> they know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. for my and for my podcast, I am so revealing on this podcast yeah. that, you know, um how was that? I don't know. Something's something they're moving a I think my grandbaby woke up. Oh, that could be it. And yep. the dogs. And the dogs. Everybody's did Everybody's just... rocking and rolling upstairs. Does that I'll mean they're you. coming for you or are we okay? No, they're oh, fine. All right, great. They're not coming for me. <laughs> well, the, they're not it's coming not for that me. Just it might be, yeah. you know, there's a it's, siren outside, but <laughs> I have you ever lived in Europe? I have not. Okay. So I, I am one of the few people that was born 
raised, educated, and will die within a 90-mile radius. Okay. Well, actually, that's supposed to be very good for your physiology. Like, it, there's a lot of ways in which yeah. um, that's very healthy. As far as becoming a person of the world, it's nice to see well, a little travel, bit. travel. Yeah. But yeah. I really don't like traveling that much either. When I was packing for this trip, I was getting ready, and I was like, Ugh, I'm so sick of traveling. And Lindsay, the woman who right. works for me, you know, she's like, that really put her off, you know, and I was like, I'm just tired of packing. Like, it's a lot, you know, right. it's a lot of upheaval. Like, of course, I'm grateful for my ability to see the world. Right. But uh, this is it's a lot of um, it's a lot of uh, what's the word? Like, just it's a production and right. and it's a lot of upheaval and. You once know. you're there, it's fine. No, once it's you're there, it's great. There. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, just getting there. Yeah. And I had, you know, I was supposed to stay with a friend of mine from, I've known since I was nine. Right. And like a week ago, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry, I'm leaving town. And so then I texted some friends from high school. Right. <laughs> I was like, how about you guys? And they're like, sure, we'd love to have you, you know. Right. But I've right. only seen them once in the last 30 years. Right. We had dinner together a couple of years ago when I was here. And, yeah, and they're in the state pen. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so they were nice they, enough. They just got released. <laughs> they work release. Yeah. The ankle bracelet shouldn't be a problem at the uh, reunion, right? Yeah, no, it won't be a problem. Yeah, it'll, well, that's why I'm wearing pants. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See? The orange jumpsuit. With, yeah. I used to think it was blue pool shoes. And then my husband looked at me and goes, they don't have a pool in prison. <laughs> I don't think that's a very good idea. The shower shoes. Uh, and I went, oh, thank you for clarifying that one. Oh uh, yeah, I, I and how that. would you know? <laughs> <laughs> how are you such an expert? <laughs> exactly, hmm. Doctor Greg. <laughs> how long have you guys been together? Thirty-seven years. Wow. So this is Almost your first 38. first marriage. Only marriage. Only marriage. And actually, we're really not married. Oh. The uh, rabbi that performed the ceremony um, had a little substance abuse problem. Okay. And so he was doing lines off the dinner plates. I mean, honestly, at the country club. <laughs> Honest to God. He's was this now, Rabbi Black? No, he okay. wasn't black. He was white. No, okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Joe Black is way too young for that. Yeah. No, this guy is deceased now. I think he didn't do well in the Betty for the Yeshiva, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but he never signed the paperwork or sent it back to the state. Oh, my goodness. And so after we were married for a number of years, we were moving. We, uh, we sold our house, and I found the marriage license and it said must be returned to the state promptly and i thought well i don't think nine years is all that prompt but <laughs> hey you know and i woke my husband up and he's a very big guy and i said oh my god oh my god we're not married we're not married he got out of bed i kid you not and started to moonwalk in the nude it was not pretty <laughs> screaming there is a god there is a god <laughs> he was celebrating and instantly he had, yeah he had no idea because i own everything <laughs> but anyway so um i called the state the next day and i said well can i just run it over there and they said well is it signed i said maybe it could be I had no idea where the guy was, but I know how to forge a name. Yeah. And so then they said, well, it's been, what, nine years? And I said, yeah. And they said, uh, we don't consider that prompt. You're going to have to get married again. And we never did it. We never just, you know. So our anniversary, our 35th anniversary is coming up on June 19th. So we're thinking about getting married. Oh. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, yeah, broke, right. Don't, don't fix ruin it. Don't your know. marriage by getting and married. I love calling my daughter the little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> little bastard, Greg, you know? <laughs> But yeah, you're gonna lose so much material. Oh yeah, I've never done that on stage. 
Never <laughs> talked about that on stage at all. I have a crazy life that's even crazier that I haven't talked about. But we've been together forever. Um, my husband has a PhD in educa- educational psychobabble, educational psychology. Okay. And he's a teacher. At and we have a... Which, where? He teaches in Kansas. Oh, that's why he, okay. Yeah, yeah. you said he's, so he's he gone for it. so he was forced into retirement by Douglas County Schools uh, because they had age discrimination. Mm. And there was a, there is a lawsuit going on, and the EEOC found in his favor. So it's not like it was in his head. And so he can't work in the state of Colorado because of PARA, his retirement funds. Mm. So he can't collect his PARA's retirement if, he works at a different school district because then he has to take their pay. And he'd have got to it. go to a new, new teacher status, that whole crap. So he, did, I told him that since he got a $160,000 PhD, that he needed to go to work. Mm. So he decided, and he really loves to teach, so he decided to get a job in Garden City, Kansas. Wow, I don't even know where that is. And he lives in Kansas. I live here because there is a God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a call back to the old he was saying there is a God. <laughs> but um, it works great for us. You know, I mean, I always traveled doing hair and teaching for color. And, you know, I still do for comedy. And we're just, we do well. So how often do you see each other? Um, every few weeks. He's here for the summer. Oh, okay. He yeah, he was upstairs, right? It. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah. saw some guy up there. I assumed it was no, It's not God. You <laughs> 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 meant mean that upstairs, right? <laughs> that was a level above. Yeah, no, he I, might didn't, I didn't mean all God, the way but. upstairs. <laughs> He might, yeah. He thinks he's God, but he's really not. <laughs> no. He's a great guy. He, um, he is my best pal. Well, I mean, and I know my daughter is my son-in-law, and my little grandbaby are my other best friends, and my parents. So, and I now mean, your grand your grandchild's here. Yes, Lucy Jean. Okay, does she's she live two. here or is no, she? No, just... we're just babysitting her today. Okay, I don't know. Her mommy and daddy are working, so yeah. my son in law is a teacher and he does a landscaping business in the summer. And my daughter is a pharmaceutical rep. Mm. And she's goes, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, she actually her her territory is in Colorado. She works. For no, me. but I mean they're just yeah they're a two hundred yeah. mile driving right, radius exactly. every day. So yeah. she's yeah she's all over. Yeah, the place. it's nuts. Um and. Lucy is just hilarious. She is the funniest little girl I've ever seen. Oh, nice. She, I, uh, she has a boyfriend at school named Oscar, and oh. Oscar is just adorable. And Oscar does anything Lucy tells him to do. I mean, I'm waiting for his balls to drop any time now. But Lucy decided she did not like his name, so she names him something different every day, and everybody has to call him. <laughs> so I had her at Target. talk about the marquee. Exactly, she is Marquesa. So she, um. I had her in the grocery cart, and I pushed the grocery cart because I'm one of those grandmas, and let it fly down the aisle, and I kept saying, Babaloo, and she goes, Babu. Well, Oscar became Babu for a week. Oh, my and goodness. And his parents had to call him Babu. Okay? <laughs> so I looked at my son-in-law, and I said, well, what do you do when you run into these people? He said, I just keep my head down and keep on walking. <laughs> I mean, how do you, I mean, these parents probably just are just incredibly over this child. I'm sure, yeah. Right? And so I went to Grandparents Day. I was asked not to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the little classroom, and they were painting with uh, temper paints on 
aluminum foil. And one of the little girls would only paint blue. And I said, oh, she's going through her blue period to her grandmother. Who, I mean, these are Jews. They're overachievers. And you know? they should know what that means. No, they had no clue. That's crazy. I thought, you know, that's a that's an art reference. And she goes, she uses orange. And I went, well, you just ruined that one for her, didn't yeah. you? You know, you just taken Picasso and made him into, you know, <laughs> another cubist. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> So the teacher looked at me. She goes, oh, my God, you should have been here last week. We were topless finger painting because they had paint all over them. And I said, I was doing the same thing last night at my job. <laughs> I said, but there was a pole involved, and they kept screaming, make it rain. <laughs> and actually, it was a Czechoslovakian and a bag of nickels. But <laughs> they, the whole, all the grandparents stopped, stared at me. And I have never seen an entire room get that quiet. And yeah. I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I told them what I did for a living. And they were like, oh. So I don't think I'm invited back. Yeah, they're sure. like, they, yeah. So as, job well done. As, can, yeah, you don't, if you don't want to go back, that was, that's the perfect way to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, that is something I notice with comedians is they don't always know when to not no, be comedians. No, no, no. My daughter is always like, mom, please, mom. No, mom. mom. She is embarrassed proof. Between my <laughs> husband upstairs, who is just a goofball. Who's God. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Between living with God. Except for he's dyslexic, so he's dog. <laughs> <laughs> Portuguese water dog also, like, yes. like the rest yes, of your dogs? Yes, I have my Portuguese water dogs, <laughs> which I do a racist joke about my Portuguese water dogs. It's not me that's the racist. It was, And it was a true story about my next-door neighbor. My next-door neighbor said, you know, these are Portuguese water dogs, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, so they like water? This woman is such a schmagaggy, I can't even tell you. I said, well, they're supposed to. I said, my male really likes water. I said, but my female... Gypsy, she hates water. I said, she won't get her posies wet. She, and she, I said, we can't even get her to swim. And she said, well, you know, she is black. <laughs> and I said, but boy, can that dog jump. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the, the audience that I have that are uh, minority audiences love that joke. It's the upper middle class whites that don't. I have one joke that... Uh, it's it's the, it's I, I close with it when I have yeah. enough time and to build a rapport with the audience. Right. Um, and I use the word dyke. It's the last right. word of my entire set. And you're sticking set. your finger in it, right? And uh, no, nope, <laughs> I'm using it as intended. And the uh, and I live in Asheville, which is very politically correct oriented. And, and I know Asheville. We own furniture companies. Oh right, of course. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, right. So um, it's the old boy network. Yeah, there's there's two different Asheville's. Right. Like my ex calls it tofu meets ham hocks. You know, it's like how she described it. And but now Asheville's like super hipster. Is it? Uh, yeah, everything's yeah. going super hipster. Yeah. Well, Asheville is definitely on the cutting edge of that. Yeah. To the degree that's ever been on the cutting edge of anything. Um, but it's just a brew town with a million hipsters. And I lost myself. You were telling me. Oh, about- the dyke joke. Yeah. So I have this dyke joke. And I uh, I told it in Denver where I realized most of my audience were lesbians. Right. And it was the end of my, and they really, really enjoyed me. Right. You know, and I said, all right, I've got one more. I don't know how this is going to go, but I got one more story for right. you guys. And I told this and they loved it. And then I tell the story, I tell it in Nashville and people are like, they don't know if they're allowed to laugh right. or not. Exactly. And exactly. But this bartender like I, one person said, don't come back, not to this show, to another open mic in Asheville. She's like, it's, you know, this is conscious comedy. We don't want 
jokes with the word dyke in it. I said, you said fuck five times and you were the MC. Why is dyke? A, that's ridiculous. Uh, it was ridiculous. But okay, you did not have the president's head, right? No, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> holding a severed head, which we should get into that. But anyway, um, so. What I have found, though, is that lesbians think it's a hilarious joke. Right. And comedians think it's a hilarious joke because right. it's a real, you don't see it coming. Right. And, uh, but the, you know, the people of privilege exactly. think, it, think it's wrong. Well, exactly. And I'm like, well, you know well, what? It's not wrong. Like, the overly religious, I'm not going to go tea party on you. Um, <laughs> well, they wouldn't mind it because they're no, anti gay. I don't know. But I, there's a lot of tea party people in Denver and it's, well, I guess we'll find you out. We'll find out. Um, but Probably I'm not, not, I'm not, not the set to, that you're doing. I'm not telling that joke yeah. tonight. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it, it, you're going to hipster land. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I know what I'm doing tonight, and right. it's you know, um, it's my sort of. What well, I, last night at the benefit, one of the gentlemen that was there is just he's just the cutest thing. He had on a plaid shirt, like flannel shirt, and he's bald, and he's an, he's probably in his sixties. And I said, where's Paul? And I said, I can't see it, the glare coming off your head. I said, oh, there you are. He's the one in the uh, the lesbian shirt. <laughs> and he's driving a Subaru. <laughs> and he did. He was driving a Subaru. That's really funny. And it was, you know, it came off and the people just loved it. But it was a good thing that I had broken the door open earlier. Mm, right, yeah. You know, because. Well, and you said lesbian and not dyke. Like, Um. It's, I don't, yeah, I said that. It's the equivalent of saying, you know, a black person well, we and not were, the end. Chuck and I were just talking about the LGBT, and I do a lot of benefits and do a lot of work with the uh, Transgender Reidentification Center. And we um, lost another one of our very, very, very amazing comics, Jordan Waliba, mm. and she was transgender, and she was my kid. I mean, I loved this girl. Mm. I loved her to death. And um, she died from an asthma attack. And wow. so I mean, I know that happens. It just yeah. seems preventable. Yeah. Um, she a huge blow to the community, huge blow to the community. I mean, she was doing Boston's Women's Festival. She was doing Cinderblock for Corey Spencer. I mean, she just really found herself. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that they can be for the LGBTQIA community is very forgiving as long as it's not meant as an insult. Yeah, right. No, totally. You know? it's, I mean, it's... we know what we are. You can. So my neighbor asked, this is one of my jokes too, but my neighbor, honestly, when I moved into my old house, um, asked me if it's okay to call someone a Jew. And I said, not if they're Muslim. You know, it's just, I don't, what else are you going to call me? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, there's a difference between, and, it, and you know, Louis C.K. But you can say it two different right, ways. Right, I was going to say, Louis C.K. did that whole thing about Jews, the only word that you could, you know, describes a group of people. Right. And if you put just a little bit of a twist on it. Yeah, then, it, you know, then it's a horrible insult, you know. Right, and, right. And that, so that is true. And So, you know, I mean, you can say somebody's gay or homosexual or whatever, as long as you're doing it as not in a um, derogatory note. I and think, if you're being derogatory then you better be able to take the blows if you get them. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I so much, and I'm not a big fan, I'm, I'm in the yoga world, and everyone's like, yeah. intention this, intention that. I hate uh, talking about never. intentions. But I will say, when it comes to edgy humor, right. what your intention behind the joke goes right. a long way right. to keeping you on the right side of things. Right. You know, if, you're, if your intention is, 
if they can feel that you're not actually homophobic, then your right. homophobic joke isn't going to bother them. Right. You know, and like the other night, someone said to me when I got off stage, she's like, I love it when Jason tells his misogynist jokes and he's right. not misogynist. Right. But his jokes are. Right. Right. <laughs> and I see some of the guys in the room being, you know, some people get uncomfortable and other guys are like, fuck yeah, you know, like yeah. they're totally well, on board. I don't like the women that everything is feminism and, you know, we don't get this because we're females and we don't get, you know, you might not get it because you're a whiner. <laughs> Sorry. So you're just a bitch. Well, exactly. And there's yeah. a, there's some comedians that I know that are, um, you know, they're very, you know, women don't get this and women don't get that. And it's like, A, have you asked for it? Because, I mean, I get a lot of sets because I am a woman. Right. And I also get a lot of sets because I present myself well. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to work certain rooms because right. I'm not the right person for it. And I will tell people that. Yeah. But I also think that they use it as an excuse. Hmm. And I've never liked that. I mean, I have been in many businesses where, um, you know, women had to break in. And, you know, there's only glass ceiling if you think there is one. I mean, my mother told me there was no glass ceiling. You so do anything nothing's you ever do. slowed you down. Nope. I mean, my mother was also ran furniture stores, and you know, at a time when women weren't doing that. Right. So I think um, now this whole being radical. Uh, we did it in the '60s and '70s, right. and it didn't work. I think there's other ways to become a feminist, and I am big, big time, big time. I mean, I think there's equality. I think there's a lot of inequality, but I don't think that just screaming and yelling about it and whining about it is going to do it. Right. And you have to prove yourself. Well, I think, you know, I was just thinking about when I told you about those people who walked out on my set that night. And, yeah. And, um, you know, they'll one of them, at least, is a self-described feminist. Yeah. And, you know, but she does all these jokes about how stupid men are. Like, literally, the jokes aren't sophisticated. Right. Men are right. stupid. You know, my jokes and? are, my, <laughs> that's not and? even news. Uh, but, you know, when I do things that are, that I'm, you know, I occasionally get the feedback, it sounds a little misogynist. I'm like, it's clever. Right. You know, it's written. Like, it's a well, story. Well, I tell a joke you know? about my husband brushing his teeth in the nude with the dog. You know, I mean, right. if you know, I mean, there's got to be a twist on it somewhere. Right, yeah. You know, I just, you can sit there and say people are stupid, but why... Why not just say that this is your point of view? Right. Does that make sense? Is uh, I know a lot of women that come off stupid. I know a lot of men that come off stupid. I know a lot of bright people that come off really stupid. Right. And if that's their way to get attention, that's their way to get attention. But if you point it out, then they're getting the attention that they wanted. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, yeah. and if that's how you're, but I, yeah, I see a lot of women that go up and just male bash. And if they did, if a man did that about women, whoo Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's like. It's but tell all, me why they're stupid. I want to know the who, what, where, why, how, and when. Right. It's all about, a good, know? a good joke is all about that. Right. You know? But it's so, it's, it's, it's not that different from getting a laugh using profanity. Like it's right. it's kind of an easy, low-hanging laugh that's just... Well, I just um, produced a show for a liquor distributorship and we did a corporate. And it was the guy, I said, you know, tell me, is it clean, dirty? And he said, you know, R-rated. He said, these are the guys that work at the warehouse at night and they also are the truck drivers and stuff. 
He said, but HR will be there. And I said, no problem. So yeah. I went up on stage and I said, you know, what do you guys want? Tell me, you want a clean show? You want a dirty show? And I said, they said, go blue. And I said, okay. I said, you know, HR is here. And I said, oh, fuck HR. <laughs> and it was like, the guy, I mean, I got a standing O off of that one. Right, yeah. You know, but that was a well-placed fuck. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Stuff is just as good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, it's... Yeah. Uh, I think our jobs are to use words right. well. Exactly, wordsmith. You know, and so all of the words are on the table. Right. I just, I, I personally watch a lot of young comedians lean on bad words right. to the point, bad words, you know, lean on I profanity. I see a lot of the white female comedians saying, I suck black dick, I like, and it's like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what you do. You know, right? But tell me something funny, right? You know, I want to know something funny about it, right? You know, it's a big, you know, like this is a life revelation, and it's going to surprise me. Yeah, nothing surprises me. It's hard to be surprised. I lived in, in I went to college in the seventies in Boulder. You think anything's going to surprise <laughs> me? I kind of doubt it. So, is your family like? Are you generations from Denver? Yes. How many generations have? Um, I am third generation. My daughter's fourth. My granddaughter's fifth. Wow, that's incredible. At least on one side. I mean, my, both my parents are from Denver. Okay. And most of my grandparents were from Denver. Well, actually, not really. They lived in Denver for more than hundred years, though. That's I mean, so. Yeah, I'm no, that's that's that a long in. time. And um, a lot of people in Denver. It's kind of a goofy place. When you're from here, you come back here. I mean, mm. you know Colorado. Yeah. People love Colorado. Yeah, it's great. I had actually, you know, um, I'm here for my 30th high school reunion. I know. And I really, like, I, part of why I'm going back, I have a bunch of reasons that I'm going back, and I don't even understand all of them, but I think in some way I need to make peace with sure. this time in my life. Nobody loved high you know. school. Well, that's not true. Plenty of people. Oh, they say they did, but they didn't. They, they had angst. They seemed to be having, well, maybe, but. They, they were the mean people. They had more fun than I did. And anyway, I'm just, I'm looking forward to like one of two, one of two things most likely is going to happen for me. Either it'll be as bad or worse. Or I will, or it'll be great. It'll be great. It might be boring. Absolutely. A lot of people don't have a whole lot. Well, what are you doing? What are you? A woman came up to me in my thirties and said, "What are you doing different now?" I said, "From high school, I'm not doing the keg stand anymore." Yeah. You know, I don't remember the last time I was running around without a bra doing a wet T-shirt. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, was, well, that two weeks was, ago it was a fundraiser. Yeah, that, that was at the community pool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed there either. Yeah, on Grandparents Day, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there really wasn't a pool, and it was a spray bottle. But hey, <laughs> yeah, but there was a T-shirt. That part was real. At least I had it on. <laughs> <laughs> More than I can say for that slut over there. Exactly. But you know, then people rewrite history, and you know, I. I had a blast at my reunions. And my first 10-year reunion, my husband went with me. He's from Michigan. And he looks like the big jock that everybody knew. And he was, you know, and he was class president in, in his high school. And he was the captain of the football team. And he was very gregarious. He was also in the marching band, so he's not that cool, okay? Right. I mean, he just went from God way down. <laughs> well, not with, with those... glee, you know. He's yeah. like, well, uh, I don't know. Still not quite. 
Yeah. I did a doc- I did a documentary he was recently. Playing the violin in the marching band. No, I'm kidding. I, There's no violin. <laughs> <laughs> he played the banjo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is finally With a cool Steve instrument. Martin. Yeah. Um, I want to hear that. But I just r- recently did a fundraising documentary style thing on a marching band, oh. and I got so into it. Yeah. That I forgot how uncool marching, marching band. Mean. No, not allowed. We have to march in circles because otherwise we get lost. <laughs> <laughs> can't even follow the no, goyim no, in front of you. No, you can't do that. <laughs> the electric slide out. <laughs> slide across Israel, right? The Negev. Yeah. Well, it was funny listening to like listening to these people talk about band. Oh. I forgot. I mean, taken like out of context. Yeah. Just being its own universe, like. Right. They were cool. They were totally kids, cool. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. There's like the cool kids in the band, and there's the, you know, and it gave yeah. a lot of these kids a sense of purpose and right. a community, and and this, they were really happy. The benefit we did last night for the band, it was for the high school band. I said, you know, you guys don't have to worry about buying any birth control for your children because <laughs> they're in band. They're, nobody's getting, <laughs> nobody gets laid in band. You know, it happens. That is birth control. It, it, it happened at band camp. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. And then one of the comedians said he was in band camp and, and then the band teacher the guy that was in charge of it he said oh no they're like freaking rabbits yeah he said i said well not in my high school there was no way i mean how do you get were you in the band no so then how do you know oh i knew the people in the band <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm totally kidding um i just they were so into actually being students i think that they were way too good for you know they Maybe were not the degenerate. I'm just saying. I I will just say that like I don't as know. An, as an adult, you know what? I'm going to another reunion this summer. You can ask. You can do a little and research. I'm going to ask. You should find out. Except I don't think anybody. I don't. We did. When I was in high school, we had riots, so we had hmm. split session. Uh-huh. So we didn't have a lot of stuff that normal uh, high schools had. Okay. So we went from to school our sophomore year. We didn't have freshmen. From 12 to 5, and then the juniors and seniors went from 7.20 to 11.40. Wow. And you didn't have a lot of extracurricular things. We had places, I I guess they had positions open for six cheerleaders out of 3,000 students, and three girls tried out. So, you know, I think it was just a different time, too, that I'm remembering. Yeah. But um, I don't know if we even had a marching band. I'm sure we probably did. Yeah, I mean, we didn't. We were too small a school. We didn't even have yeah, cheerleaders. You, yeah, Our you, cheerleaders. You had these, the guy with the triangle, right? We had two guys who were very funny and charismatic. Yeah. And they dressed up as our our school was the Danes, and they dressed up in these red like I want to say dog costumes, right? right? And great Danes. And uh, they would run back and forth on the sideline we and get everybody Danes? cheering. Yeah. Yeah. The Fountain like Valley. Like Erickson. Fountain Valley Danes. I don't know. I don't know if he was a Dane. He apparently discovered America first, but I have no idea what that was the name of our team. But um, I was a patriot. <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah, yay. Who isn't? Yeah, but anyway, so we went to my reunion, and my husband put on a little name tag, Bill Gregg, and he'd walk up to everybody and shake their hand and say, "Bill Gregg Drama Club," and so everybody, because we weren't in school that much, right. they thought he was the class president of our school. It was actually, what was Terry's last name? And he, they thought he was the football captain. Because he presented that exa- way. And he looks like it. So yeah. they 
So the girls that were running it came up to me and they said, Terry, please make Bill make a speech. We always knew you guys would be together. <laughs> I was like, really? He was our favorite. <laughs> so I had him go up and start doing a speech. And it was the funniest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. So uh, I finally explained to everybody that he didn't, he was a, he was who he was, said he was, right. but at a different high school. Right, right, right. Different state, the state of denial. But so then the next, at the 20th reunion, <laughs> they made him all these name tags that said Bill Gregg, drama club, Bill Gregg, table tennis team, <laughs> Bill Gregg, you know, and he, um, so he got bored, of course. And they had your um, junior high pictures or a high school picture or something right. on it, you know, of what you looked like in the day. And so he went and he would put other people's on. And so he would walk around, and he was um, he sounds like this a guy named Dewey for a while, Dewey Clinton. And they're like, Dewey, you look exactly the same. And I was like, <laughs> no, he don't. Yeah. And then um, another woman, Risa Friedman, I don't know why he did. He put her picture on, and she had this big afro and all this stuff. And people thought she had a sex change. <laughs> 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 we kept saying, yeah, Trinidad was a, a really great place, you know, and because that was the sex change capital right, of the world. Yeah. And then Risa called me two days later. <laughs> she said, I heard that I was at the reunion. I said, yes, you were. <laughs> you were there as a man. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You were, And you were a huge hit, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Bigger hit than you were in high school, <laughs> <Yeah>. my friend. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> yes. And you're welcome. So we had, a, we, had a, we had an absolute ball. But. You just have to go with an attitude of, you know what? They haven't impacted your life in 30 years. Yeah, I know. They're not really going to impact. And if they say something, who cares? No, I know. They don't have an opinion. I, you know, honestly, I went, I remember I went back like a year later after yeah. I graduated for the next year's graduation. A lot of people would right. do that. Right. And I actually had a great time. It was nice to see everybody. Right. And, you know, and people were, people were totally cool. People who... You know, I wasn't that. See, at the 30th, though, nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody's not, they don't look the same. You've either lost your hair or, you know, you're divorced or you're you know, whatever. Right. You know, it's like they just, they're not putting on the airs that they did yeah. at the 20th. There's the no 20th. hiding. Oh, no hiding. God. Well, I was, you know, they told me that I was going to, they asked me if I wanted to perform there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, absolutely. You, mean you know, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was like, I absolutely would love to do right. that. Um, and as it stands, it's not going to happen. You never know. Why? Uh, they didn't, they sort of dropped the ball on it. And now they don't know how to plug it into the schedule and how to advertise. I'm like, just we're at a deer, a dinner. Just put me up on stage for 15 minutes. You know, what do you care? You know, um, but if there's a, if, listen, if there's a, if there's a time that it's appropriate, right. I'll do it. If not, I don't go. You care. know what? Hand people your card and say, just watch one of my videos. No, that's not it. I want to do it there. Yeah. I'm not. Sure. It's not that I want them to see my comedy. Right. I want to, you know. I even wrote this whole intro, which I will probably do tonight. Right. You know, and it leads in. I always like to lead into my sort of main set in a different way. Right. And and so I'm using the whole "I'm here for my reunion" to lead right. into oh, okay. the sure. set, which starts with you know I'm at this point in my life I'm just trying not to become my parents and and then and, and then I'm you? off and then I'm off and running. Well, I mean. The joke is, you know, I'm trying not to become my parents, but I already have my father's Buddha belly and my mother's childbearing hips. <laughs> so I am totally Shirley. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I, I have become Shirley. Well, I'm the, more Shirley than Shirley Shirley. Right. Yeah. Well, the second line is uh, not to mention his receding hairline and her bad taste in men. <laughs> <laughs> that is stellar. So um, see, I, that that's funny. And so it's like, and then they're like, wait a minute, what happened to you since high school? You know, so it's yeah. like, I have, I mean, there's a reason why I want to tell this right. body of Were work to this Were you funny in high crowd. school? 
I was not popular in high school. My sense but of were humor. You funny? Well, so here's my answer. I was I had a very self-deprecating sense of humor. Right. And then other people would make fun of me. I'm like, I didn't just license you to make fun of me. Right. And they're like, well, if you make fun of yourself, you're kind of telling people it's okay. I'm like, no, I'm being funny and I'm using me instead right. of making fun of you. That's right. good manners. Like, right. and it's like going where the joke is, you know, but right. but it was misperceived as, oh, you're willing to be the butt of the joke in order to get attention. And I'm like, no, not not where I not where I well, was coming it's from. Probably it, a know. little bit advanced for their mentality. I mean, one teacher who I was really tight with, I saw him a few years ago, and this is, you know, he hadn't seen or heard from me in 25, right. 28 years, whatever it was at the time. And uh, he said, I always remember you being very wry. Right. You had a very wry sense of humor. Right. And, and uh, he said, I loved it, you know. Well, and I said, was, and yeah. I said, I don't think anyone else understood it. And he's like, yeah, they might not have, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just, I was always, I always stood up for the underdog. Right. You know, people were always, and that's what I was remembered for is that, you know, if you were ever mean to somebody, I was a lot mean, you know, because there's always something bigger and meaner than you are, right. trust me. But um, I went back and everybody's like, oh, God, do you remember we did this and this? is like, no, I don't think we did that. Are you <laughs> sure it was me? And the, oh, you were always so funny. It was like, I never thought I was that funny. You know, but mm -hmm. I think when you go back now, they're going to remember it differently. I have no idea, you know, and that's what I'll find out, among yeah. other things. I mean, it's going to be, it's, for sure, it's going to be interesting. I did have one, my best friend's older brother. I, um, I'm still really good friends with him. But when I was a kid, he was so handsome and so cool, I couldn't talk to him. Mm. I could not. I, 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 that's that totally was tongue -tied, That's all yeah. I could do. And he thought I was mute for the longest time. <laughs> I know he wishes I was. You know, self-deprecating. Yeah. You know, so if you make, I think even in comedy, if you make yourself the the villain, somebody's got to be a villain of a joke. Of course, the joke. And if you make yourself the villain, I think audiences will come to you a little bit better than if you make them the villain. Right. Well, I I play with both. Yeah. Um, you know, like I have a bunch of uh, topics with my mother-in-law, my monster-in-law, and I think about it and I thought, why do they want to hear me dump on this old lady that's dead? Hmm. I want to do it. Right. But the, yeah. they may not want to hear yeah. it. Yeah. I, know, I know one comedian who's pretty famous. He lost his wife and with it, two-thirds of his act. Yep. You know. Um, so why did he, was she famous? No. He just... He just she featured heavily in his act, right. you know. It was it was. So why all... didn't he just keep her alive in his act? Oh, he's too famous. He she died. Everyone uh, knows she died. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. not famous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No, he's big time. Because and... I know a couple of comedians that still talk about their wives and they're divorced and they're very famous. Divorce is different from dead. Right. No, but yeah. I mean they don't say they're divorced. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But I mean it's like you know, um, yeah. No, it was it was. It was one of those things where I mean it was a really it was a really awful loss for him. Yeah. Although he's sure. met somebody new and fallen in love and he's happier than ever and so he's like I can't believe it I'm this happy and whatever. Yeah. Um but he was pretty devastated when he lost his wife understandably. Uh but everybody wanted to say to him, "Yeah, but you you know, the real loss is your act." <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you can meet another woman, but how are you going to make up for all those jokes you've been telling for 30 years? But if he's been telling the same jokes for 30 years, maybe he should write a new act anyway. Uh, that's a separate issue. 
Um, he's got he doesn't tell only the same jokes, but right. they're it's it's a, of a theme. Right. And sure. and sure. the theme has been my wife doesn't blow me. And, you know, right. And uh, she's married. Why would she? <laughs> That's how much should have told him. Yeah. So. Remember, I'm not married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. You have to. Yeah. You, gotta <laughs> you have to. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. My my answer to that would be normally I don't remember asking you. <laughs> didn't you get the memo? I no longer accept unsolicited advice. I, I didn't, but I gather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got a date upstairs with God. <laughs> with God. Have you seen Sarah Silverman's new special? I have not. Okay, it just came out, and yeah. I just watched it yesterday. As far as I know, it just came out yesterday. Yeah. Like um, funny. It's well, she is. Fantastic. I think she is too. You I know. really like her. I read her book too. I read her book too. I really enjoyed her book. I, I think it might have been the first book by a comedian about being a comedian that I read, and I, I well, really and liked her it. insight into herself is is it tells you a lot about how she became who she is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, it's really um, that is a wonderful book. Everybody should read it. Um, her first special, Jesus is Magic, off the hook. Oh yeah. So yeah, funny. See, yeah, so absolutely. brilliantly creatively right. funny. And and you really, you know, she her her mannerisms and just how like she knows she's getting away with something awful and she right. has this really cute way. Yeah, of, absolutely. You know, I've seen her on talk shows and she, yeah, yeah, she's, she's just she's gold. She's so this show is really different. Like there's not a ton of that facial expression stuff. She's much more sort of flat affect. Right. Um there are I, as I described it on, on Facebook, because I wanted other people's, I wanted them to watch it and I wanted to get their hit on it. I said, you know, I felt like it was good with moments of great. Right. And, uh, but she does this whole thing at the end um, about God and blowjobs. And I'm not going to ruin it, but it's funny. No. Um, and so I was just curious if you'd seen it because it was, you know, it would have been a spinoff from what you just said. But, Anyway, she is, yeah, she is great. She is. And I really aspire to some of the aspects of her comedy. Like I, to be able to get away with saying the things she says yes. and to learn how to be right. so, um, you know, so offensive and so cute. I don't think so she says cute. things maliciously either. I don't think so either. No, yeah. I think that's what it is. Do you remember is when she got got a likability once again that's that's just quirky she's super likable yeah super likable and do you remember when she got called on the carpet by the asian community because she had a joke about jury duty where she said you know i'll just tell them um i'll just tell them i hate chinks and she said no 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 i'll tell them i love chinks to get off jury duty right, right? which is a funny joke right and the Asian community got really up in arms about it. And like she yeah. was on Bill Maher defending herself on Bill Maher. Right. And, and, you know, and as I tell that, as I retell that joke, I realize like I'm more comfortable telling that than if it had been the N word. Like, I don't know if I would have retold it verbatim the yeah. way she did. So I think it's interesting. Like that, that's just a, a note to self. Yeah. That's out loud now. But I thought that was a really brilliantly funny joke because it's almost, you know, like her character is being well, like, no, I'm not you, racist, you, and it's just as racist. If you go into it not being racist, but if you go into it, how many people are going to be a defendant in the Asian community? Right. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, that's right. like, it's like, how, how did you pick that? Right. That's you another know? piece. Yeah. 
you know, I think that it was part of the brilliance in that is just the fact that she did not go for what you'd expect. Right. Right, right, you know, right, right. She didn't say, you know, the Mexican or whatever. She, uh, whatever. You know, she'd said uh, something that you're just like, what? Right. You know, I mean, that's really going to get you off. How many juries are, are they going to, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, of some of the hardest working people in, you know, in the world. So I think that's part of it, too. I do. I didn't think about that piece. I think that's a good point. I think it's also a funny sounding word. It is. It's you got know, the hard, so, uh, hard C, K sound. Yeah. Everybody loves it. So um, I and but to me, the genius behind it is saying I love and right. then use the racial epithet right. to Absolutely. sound, you know, it's, um, you know, I have a, a joke that I tell sometimes. I've only told it once or twice because you know, I told it to a bunch of liberal white people and they didn't right. laugh. And so then I ran it by a black person and an right. Indian woman to ask them. I was like, is this okay Outsource for me to tell? Outsource casino. Pardon me? No, no. no. <laughs> Outsource or casino. Outsource. That's one of my jokes, by the way. That's very – I just didn't understand the yeah. word. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, that's a great way to distinguish. Oh, my God. Outsource. That's really funny. <laughs> this is outsource. Uh, and so I said, you know, my, I expressed concern that my family – is parenthetically what I call parenthetically racist, right? Because my mom will say things like, "Oh, she's very happy living in San Francisco." Misha with her... Magoyim. That is, is you know, it means crazy non-Jews. But Cra- Misha, Mag- Misha Magoyim. Misha Magoyim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my mom will say things like, "You know, she's she's very happy living in San Francisco with her black husband." Right. Which to me is parenthetically racist. Right. And my dad will say things like, "It's because he's fucking Indian." They're all like right. that. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, so, uh, but I don't tell it very often because I don't like to do. Right. I just don't like to do racially charged no, stuff, you know. I don't do a whole lot of um, it. And most of it is, is about Jews. So well, no, I'll do stuff about you. Jews all day long. Yeah. But even that, it's not usually the you know, cheap. My, well, and my, I do a joke, and my neighbor did ask me this. She said, well, you're Jewish. You're not, you don't eat pork. And I said, you're not supposed to. And she said, what about bacon? <laughs> and I said, well, color me simple, but I'm pretty sure bacon is pork. And she said, what about Canadian bacon? <laughs> and I said, that's just fine because it's a foreign pig. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it was like, it's one of those, how dumb right. can you be? I know. And this woman really did ask me that. Yeah. So, um, but it's a real life kind of situation oh, where yeah. parenthetically, as you say it, um, it's real. Yeah. And they don't think that they're being racist. No, right. I know. Isn't that nice that she married a black man? <laughs> Isn't that nice? I know. Right. So, you know, and there's different generations. Generationally, you know, I'm surprised at what a lot of kids say that would be inappropriate for a group of people my age that are, I think, a little bit more socially aware and appropriate. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I was dating a young Cuban woman for a little while, and she grew up in the ghetto, you yeah. know. And she went to school with blacks and Cubans and Puerto Ricans. So you know? did I. And she uses the N word all the time. Oh, and see that dress for me. I don't and like it when blacks use it. Yeah, the and I don't like it when anybody. Well, does. she asked though. She was smart enough to be like, "It would probably offend you if I use this word too." I'm like, well, "I don't. I yeah. don't really think it's appropriate, you know." And I just the how it came about and the history behind it. I just I don't think to me, I don't want to be called you know a kike. I don't want to be called a yid. I mean, I don't want to be called a kike by another Jew. Right. 
you know, sorry, it just doesn't, it doesn't wear well. I mean, and I know a lot of people and a lot of comics use it, and it just is off-putting to me. Yeah, no, it is to me too. I mean, I think, um, I think there's, I, I think Louis C.K. was able to, yeah, work with it in a really fascinating way, especially as a white guy. Yeah. And then, of course, Chris Rock did this incredible bit, right. and only a black person could tell this joke. Right. But he said, you know, I love black people, but I hate, you know, yeah. and then he drops the N-word. Right. You know, and then he goes into a, a, a pretty detailed description about the difference right. between these right. two groups. Right. But that's more informational. Right. No, exactly. Like it's, it's, but he'll also use the word. Sure. And com- that's conversationally. his discretion. But that's totally his, is, right. But to me, it's like, I mean, like I said, I'm 60, um, uh, July 5th, 61 years old. Put that on your calendar. Okay. Make sure that. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do a talk about funny starring. Yeah. Starring you. Yeah, starring me. Yeah. Talking <laughs> about funny. Uh, I think this is a fascinating program. I think you've got a great thing going on. I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, Kevin Goatee, who's doing comics watching comics. Have you okay. seen it? No, I'd love to meet Oh him. my god, I love the show. I, okay. I when I was sick, I just got totally hooked. Is it on YouTube or it's is on, it? It's on um yeah, it's on it's I mean it's a comedy central or is it on No, a, it's, it's on a, it's on the internet TV. I'll I'll send you the link. I don't know what that is. Okay. And it's comics. Where, uh, watching comics. You can look at You can just Google it. Yeah. And it's uh, three comics, and then they have a pro, sit, an, another pro that's a uh, longtime comic. Um, and they have newer comics that they have at the comedy store or somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. And then they film them, and then they watch it, and then they break it down kind of and say, oh, my God, if it's terrible, if it's good, what's going on? And it is so funny. And these comedians sitting on the sofa are Hilarious! Oh, awesome! I would. I mean, love they that. are hilarious, and they say some constructive stuff, and they and some of the people they pass on. I mean, that they let them advance to the next step. I'm kind of surprised at because I'm like, oh dear God, they're terrible. Right. But they give reasons why, and it's like, you know what? You're right. You know, getting a different perspective, and it's a really interesting show, and I just love it. Well, and wa- he's going to bring it out here too. Oh, that's great. Well, I want to see it. I have. It's funny because I want to do a segment on my show that that's what we do, where we bring up at the end of the show, we have all the comics yeah. who have been showcased in, right? right? So they're better comics, right. uh, arguably. And and then the last thing we do is bring up a new comic who does one to three minutes, probably three, because the right. one minute is the Tony right. Hinchcliffe show, right. um, does three minutes, and then we critique their set. Right. And it's called Learning to Fail Live. Right. And it's sort of a an offshoot of the podcast, right. which is Learning to Fail. Right. And so I want to have this Learning to Fail live segment on my Talk About Funny show. So all these things start to work together. Well, and I think that now, especially with the Internet, comics all over the country are starting to work together. Yeah. You know, I have so many friends that I've met through social media. Yeah, maybe and, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and it's I, I think it's I love the fact that people will try and get a hold of me and say, can you help me get a set or can you help me do something? I'm coming mm. in from out of town. And um the more the out, the more our reach is is broadened. I mean, I've worked with comics from uh, England and from all over the world, and now with our comedy class, we have some comics that are working with us from Nigeria. Oh my God, that must be amazing. It is, but I don't get their humor. Oh, no clue. Really? And it's well, I'll let Chuck talk about that because that's his deal. Okay. But it's it's you know I think the more that the world opens up to us the more we have to open up to the comedy around the world. 
I mean, I remember nobody understood English or British comedy. Yeah. You know, and then Faulty Towers happened and, and you know, the whole John Cleves thing. And that opened up so many doors. Sure. Totally. And so yeah. many different types of comedy. Yeah. You know, not only the pratfall. So, I love pratfall. So we are winding down on yes. your window of availability. Yes. Not my desire to continue talking to you. That has not, <laughs> that has, that has not begun to wane. Yes. Um, but I would like to hear your biggest like nightmare performing experience. Just like oh, your. I've got the biggest biggest bomb of all times in okay, the comedy. Okay, great. Let's hear it. Comedy Works is an A-list club known internationally. I had my first three minutes up there. I'm up there and I'm telling my jokes. And people are laughing and they're really laughing. I'm crushing it. And from the back of the room, Todd Jordan, who was a big time pro, screamed out, tell her to, to turn on her fucking mic. I had done two minutes With that nobody heard a word. So they were laughing at the fact that they couldn't they hear you? They were laughing at me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I thought it was the funniest thing ever. I did not do the horrified response, and I did nothing. And I burst out laughing to him and, <laughs> and walked off stage. <laughs> that, and I tell every new comic that story because I said, what are they going to do, take away your birthday? I got it out of the way. Right. I had the... And they tell the story of the comedy works that I had the biggest bomb ever, and I'm kind of proud of it. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, think about it. I yeah. mean, how much worse can you do than that? Right. And you're, and the, I love the innocence of you think you're killing. Oh, I thought I was. And they're good. just laughing harder and harder because they can't hear you and you don't know. Every came up to me, and I mean, we're talking a lot of big time comics came up to me, gave me a hug, and said it wasn't that bad. And I said, Yeah, it was. I laid the golden egg and I got it out of the way. Yeah. You know, so nobody took away my birthday. I still got to live the next day. Nobody really cared. Yeah. You know, and I think that people overreach their their importance. Yeah. You know, they think, oh, I'm crushed because I did I didn't do this well. I didn't I mean everybody if you don't have bad sets, you're not doing the right thing. It's like I remember when I was water skiing and I fell and and they're like, if you don't fall, you're not trying right. anything exactly. new. Exactly. And you sh you're not working hard you know, enough. And I'll tell you, I have some jokes that I just think are the funniest things in the entire world, and they do nothing. I know. I have and some of those, too, and I still don't get it. I'm and like, I like, and I I'll tell them to other uh, some other pros, and they'll sit there and say, well, it's really just not funny. To you, it's <laughs> funny, but nobody else thinks that's yeah, funny. Yeah. And, you know, or they'll try and help me work on it and twist it in a different direction. But either it's just too upfront or whatever. But seriously, that is the biggest bomb ever. And um, even after surgery, I came back and I um, did an MC set, and I was awful at the Denver Improv. Mm -hmm. I was awful, and I walked up to the GM and I said, "You know what? I'm just not ready to come back yet." Yeah. I said, "You know, I'm professional enough to know that I did not do my job." Right. Well, that's I mean, different. I wasn't terrible. Yeah. But to me, it wasn't. I wasn't doing what I should be doing. I wasn't up to my standards. Yeah, that feels different, though. You were like, you're but still. I wasn't on, as bad as the, that bomb. And you're still on the injured list. I mean, right. that's the. I mean, part of bombing is when you're out there doing your best and it's not working. Doing well, what you and what we've feels all like done your best. that too, and they're staring at you like I had one guy. It was my job to make this guy in the front row laugh. And then finally, it was like, he was, I had nothing. So I came off stage, and later I walked up to he and his friends, and I said, what happened? Why wasn't he laughing? They said, well, he doesn't speak English. And I said, <laughs> why the fuck would you take somebody to a comedy show that doesn't speak the language? Right. I just didn't get it. Yeah. So here I was working my ass off to get one guy to laugh, and he had no clue what I was talking about. It's kind of like being married. <laughs> <I t> <laughs>
All right. On that note. We're going to leave on that. You you knew how to close out the show. I did. Well done. Well, listen, thank you so much. It's so great to meet you in That's person. So and just back like, at you. You know, t- and have it be this easy and this much fun and out we'll of the gate. And we'll have a Canada lock. <laughs> yeah. And some crap lock. That sounds delicious. And uh, and let's do, let's do talk about funny in Denver. Oh, I would love to do it here. I just think it's genius. And there you have it. An afternoon spent with my newest oldest friend, Terry Barton Gregg. I still can't get over the fact that this was the first time she and I had ever met in person. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, use our Amazon portal, and rate us on iTunes. Make sure you tell your friends about Learning to Fail, and if you feel so inclined, please consider making a donation on our donation page. That way, we can keep failing like old friends.